Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. All right. Um, we're live, by the way. So, um, everybody, welcome back. Episode 125. Uh, we have the man, the myth, the legend. Actually, the uh, I don't want to call you, the, I guess, the god, the leadoff. You're, you're the Galen Trombley Show leadoff. You're episode one. Yeah. So, Matt Craig. Oh, of course. So, so I, I don't know. I guess we'll call you just the, lead, the leadoff. Um, but first podcast back. I was on vacation back. Um, yeah, so here we are. What's we up, are everybody? With, uh, with the man, the myth. The, the legend, legend himself. Uh, Matt, what's up? What Give us like kind of a rundown. How's life been? Man, we're in a wild real estate market right now. <laughs> I, feel, I feel really, 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 really bad for buyers right now, especially first-time home buyers. So, so go into it a little bit. So Plattsburgh, it's a hot market right now. You know, things are going 5, 10, I'm sure in some cases 20 grand over asking. But if you look at uh, downstate and I'm a... I'm learning a lot about the North Carolina market now because my mom's buying in North Carolina. Um, she's doing full offer cash deals and just getting denied every time. And they're going like 40, 50 grand over. Insane. Um, I think we're due for a correction. I don't think it's going to be a crash. It's not going to be anything like 2008. Um, for the rest of the year, interest rates are slowly going to rise up. I think they're going to stabilize around like maybe we'll hit four but i doubt it i think it's going to stabilize right around three nine three five which is still extremely low oh historically historically and i think when the foreclosure memorandum ends you know covid hit a lot of people bad it sucks um depending on your industry your livelihood could have been taken away um some of the loan modifications and sort of the federal eviction memorandums don't necessarily protect people um, a lot of people, all the payments that they missed are due like at once. It It's really in the fine details. And I think a lot of people just, you know, maybe they, they were staying afloat for a while. They have a lot of bills and then they see, you know, the, the they have to start paying their mortgage and they didn't really get whole again. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of foreclosures, but I think we're going to just see people listing their homes um, really picking up in June, July. And interest rates are going to rise a little, so it's going to scare some buyers out of the market. And I think a lot of cash investors are like, you know what? I'm, I got cash. I'm not going to buy at the top of the market. I'm going to wait and sort of see what it happens. Yeah, I, I think the investment part is going to stay a little bit lower because the prices are going up. I think um, foreclosures, we've very rarely seen any foreclosures in the last year. Um, so I think when those do come up, to be honest with foreclosures, the problem, as you know, like you can only get like you can only finance a little bit of them a lot of them are cash and then the thing is they've been sitting there for well over a year two years they're not in the great greatest shape so it's like it, that really is, you might have a lot that goes on but the amount of people that can buy them is limited well, or I'm hoping it's them. not foreclosures I'm hoping it's more 
not hoping, I don't want this to happen to anybody, but I think we're going to see more short sales and stuff like that because some, some companies are just sort of adding the principal to the balance each month. Yeah, that could um, be the case. Yeah. Some loan modifications are awesome. Some companies, hey, we're just going to add six payments to the end of your, you know, if you're going to pay your home off in 2021, it'll be June 2021. And I hope that uh, loan modifications or companies do that. Um, one big thing I want to talk about that I really don't think is fair is sort of um, 50% of landlords own one units. When people think mm-hmm. of landlords, they think of Jared Kushner. They think of rich, rich people who have thousands and thousands of units and slumlords. Most landlords are just regular people. They work a job. Um, maybe they inherited a house. Maybe they you know worked extra hard and bought a rental or a move up home. And um, the no, no paying rent. I have really good friends who bought, uh, multi-units in the Bronx. They, they were going to evict somebody for three, four months before March. Then the eviction memorandum comes and it's unfair to just cancel rent without canceling a portion of mortgages. The mortgages never really got canceled. Everybody still had to pay them. He's out. If I had to guess, his unit probably rents for twenty five hundred. He's not getting the income. No, okay. I would re- guess twenty five hundred. Let's just say ten months. He's out twenty five grand, and he's been trying to evict these people since before COVID. So it's it's a really tough situation out there for landlords because there was no no help for landlords. Everyone's like, oh, you know, rent free, rent is evil, this and that, and. It's not. A lot of people are just normal people who, you know, have a have a few units. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh and they're not going to get the money from them. It's people who have no money. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna, you can take them to court, you can maybe get some of the money, maybe they'll pay for your court yeah. fees, but you're you're out 25 grand. And I mean, he makes, you know, he makes 70 a year like at his regular job or probably more now, but it's a decent portion of his income. Luckily all his other units are paying, everyone else is cool, but um I've heard way worse horror stories than him with other people. Um, And it's weird that, you know, I I understand you don't want to evict somebody. Maybe they're on hard times too, but there should be some sort of protection for landlords in place if you're trying to cancel rent and stuff like that. Um, It just uh, doesn't seem fair to me and doesn't really make sense because... um, No, I I agree because I, like like you said, I own one one duplex. So like I'm one of those people like the 50%. Like, so... Same thing. Like if that if they weren't paying, luckily they are, and you know I have good tenants. But like if they didn't pay and, they, and there's no way to kick them out, then it's like yeah, then I'm eating extra money each month, and all of a sudden by the end of the year, it's like, well, I just lost you know five figures worth of not. I mean, I lost it coming in, but I had to pay it out too. So it's like okay, so it's almost a double. You get hit on both ends. Um, I never the eviction. I get it early on when things were like kind of crazy. People couldn't just turn if they had lost a job, but it's like there was no, there was nothing. To, there was nothing to even worse than that. They didn't. There wasn't anything where you have to show you're on an unemployment. Correct. You have to show no. You could just say, "Hey, I'm not paying rent," and there's nothing yeah. you can do. You just sit there. To me, even like the stimulus checks. Like I was luckily employed the whole time. Um, I have family members who are federal employees who are employed the whole time. Um, he got something like 15,000 in stimulus checks because mm-hmm. he's got a few kids. I was, don't get me wrong. I, I was happy to get the stimulus check. It was awesome. Um, but I think it should have been maybe a little smarter. And like my mom, my mom got a stimulus check even like she, you know, mm-hmm. she had a good life. She did, did all the right things. 
Um, I think there should have been more vetting instead of just sort of sending it out to everyone. Mm-hmm. I guess really the only thing was a family of two who makes less than 150. I think it would have made a lot more sense to be much more targeted and, you know, get more money to the families that really need it versus sending it out to everyone. You know, I'd much rather see people who are out of work get a $5,000 stimulus check than me get a 2000 stimulus check. Well, well the, so a couple of things. You had some people that rely on that money, 100%, like, I, I need that money. Then you have other people that look at it as bonus money. I can go spend it wherever. Like, I'm, okay, give me five grand and I can go spend five grand on a vacation, go buy a, uh, you know, buy a, you know, side by side. You can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. And I agree. Like, I believe the purpose of like a stimulus check is to one, keep people afloat. And then it's not, oh, by the way, here's a bonus. Go have a vacation at Disney. Like, I think there's, a, I mean, granted, Disney might like it. Cause, yeah. But it's the idea that I think that and then um, the other thing was uh, we, we talked about the... Um, here on stimulus also the stimulus but what was the other one you just mentioned evictions not evictions no um shoot you just you just mentioned it i'm gonna play this back and be like landlords not landlords um not not the stimulus um rates nope 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 it was with was with money coming in what was the uh i'm gonna keep talking about the stimulus quick and another thing too is like let's say you really were down on your luck 1200 and then like six months later if another 1200 like it would have made more i mean i guess if you did have unemployment though, i know some people are making guap on unemployment oh that was it that, okay so unemployment was the idea that the unemployment for most people was more than what they were getting at their job anyway so that was the other thing where i'm like i get it you're you're sending out was it 600 bucks a week or something no 600 extra i think it was i think people netted like a thousand a week because i think regular oh, really? unemployment Regular unemployment is based on how much you make at your old job when you got let go. Mm-hmm. And then there was 600 extra unemployment. I'm 90% sure I know people who are netting 900 a week, which is basically the same as like a $65,000 salary. And not doing a thing. Not doing – like obviously I don't want to go back to work. Yeah. That's the, that's the hard part when someone has a job that makes less than what they're getting. Like I'm going to pay you more and you can stay home and play video games all day. Like, okay, I'm going to stay home and play video games. And like, it's tough to, that's always like, and, and again, I know there was some, you know, legitimacy if you have been laid off. I know there's some people that were laid off and just didn't go back or yeah. told their employee they weren't comfortable going back, which maybe is the case, but I can't see all those people in being uncomfortable going back. How many people were just like, yeah, just don't feel good about going back and they don't care. They're up with their friends or doing stuff. They weren't. I mean, let's be real. Unless you make 20 an hour plus, you'd much rather make 900 a month. And then you have 40, 50 extra hours every week. Like Mm -hmm. it was a great situation for some people. And I don't want to kick anybody who's down. I know, um, you know, you're a bar owner, gym owner, you know, your li- your livelihood was taken away by the government. That's, that's basically what happened. You were deemed non-essential and your business didn't matter enough to keep running. Um, <clears throat> even that there wasn't, I think there should have just been more targeted help. All right. My business is unessential. All right. Give me 75% of what I, and I don't think you can get unemployment if you're self-employed too. I think later in the pandemic um, they did that, but I know there was something. About so that. for real estate, because we were independent contractors, there was no such thing as unemployment for independent contractors. Then they came out with something that said, if you are an independent contractor and do not, can't work physically or unable to work, can't meet clients, which we were, then that was an option they gave for. So it was like the first time in history they ever gave unemployment to 
but it was because we physically couldn't go to our job because like I'm willing, able, ready, can't go out. We're not allowing us in homes, whatever. So, you know, there was a difference between unemployment being let off and unemployment being like, I'm cause you got to think like real estate where as an independent contractor, you basically have your own company. You yeah. work under somebody, but like I run, I mean, I work under, under the name anybody. of Kavanaugh, but at the end of the day, I'm running Galen Trombley, the realtor, you know, mini company within that. And that's, you know, and that's what for a lot of agents, like every agent, that's pretty much what you do. So it's like to, to be told, hey, you can't go out and meet clients. And again, I totally understand. And, and for the first, you know, I would say six weeks, I was very like, okay, like I, I get it. Let's try to get it. Like everybody kind of figure it was out shut what's down going on. for a little while, right? Uh, last year, May 20th to June 1st. That was, you physically could not meet with clients. Yeah. Then June 1st, you could. Now, that's During pretty, that time period, did things sell? Yeah, things sold because agents and buyers were allowed to kind of go, not agents, but buyers were allowed to go into homes with seller's permission. And it was like things still kind of kept going. Like April 1st, I, basically, I always equated last year to June 20th, you put a, a cork on the bottle, you shook it up for about two and a half months. June 1st, you unpopped it, and then it just went all over the place. And that was basically what happened with our market. Um, I mean, our market hasn't changed since last year. I think the like price uh, price points up was it 20 percent something like that. The average price point we had really high appreciation the past year. Yeah, it's insane, and the amount of pending sales from a year ago. This was uh, it's almost a month ago that I checked this was up like thirty percent from a year ago. The amount of pending sales, and again, this isn't this isn't at the time, you know. Stuff pending back because I looked at this probably around March or April first, March thirty first. That really wasn't affected by COVID at that point. So to have it up this much, I mean, now we're starting to get to the skewed numbers because you have like if you're looking from a year ago, um, last April, May, um, those were kind of the markets that were you know off the charts, like yeah. different, like no new listings came on, obviously. But um, beyond that, it's like things have just gotten crazier and crazier and crazier. Like I put a home on uh, what's I put a home on yesterday more or dirty pending. <laughs> oh, well it'll be pending tonight. We have five offers on it now. Yeah. Um, we're talking, we have five, 36 hours and I have other agents saying, Hey, I think I'm bringing you an offer. And we have like four showings today. Like you better get it in quick. But it, it, but that's the thing. It's like, you're talking in a day and the prices that people are getting for these homes is like, Holy crap. Like I never thought you would like it. I never thought you would see it in 2021, maybe 2025, 26. Yes. But 2021 yeah. at this level, it's like, Holy crap. This, it just like skyrocketed. It's crazy. So if you're selling, like these sellers are like, I'm like, you are completely maxing out what you can sell for. Because two years ago, you you would could have been thirty percent less than what you are now. And knock on wood, but we've had everything appraised too. We even had one appraisal issue this year, which I'm I've had. Sort I've of had one. About. It was a VA appraisal, but yeah. it, it, one appraisal. Um, but that's the thing too. When you go, you go into contract. If a the the biggest issue with appraising is because they're always looking at past they sales backwards. Yeah, yeah, and I get it. Like I totally get it. But you have to like you can't live in the past as an appraiser because what's the market doing now? And our job as realtors is, you know, we look at the we look at where the house is, but I look at trends. I'm like, it's trending up. Like let's let's well, go Plattsburgh there. Plattsburgh is hard too because, you know, we're a small area. It's not like there's a thousand listings, and Plattsburgh will have areas where it's like a beautiful house on the lake. And then, you know, not as nice houses all around it. And you have to, you know, appraisers have to do within certain distance, within certain stuff like that. So I think that's one of the unique stuff about our area. And, you know, there's a lot of places where, you know, maybe once or twice a year a home in that area sells. We we were just really lucky, really, with the pandemic because I feel like Plattsburgh is mostly 
um, correction officers, uh, factory workers, nurses, doctors, teachers. It's, uh, it's mostly besides bar owners and restaurant owners, we were, you know, not unaffected by the pandemic, but we got out pretty good. We don't really have too many industries that were shut down. I think our area, and this is from my understanding, when you look like, obviously the, the base closed, that was, that was a hit, uh, you know, but we had some good leaders at the time that, you know, and they're still coming out of that, but um, ice storm, September 11th, the recession, you know, coronavirus, like our markets up here, like we ebb and flow like everybody, but our ebb and flows are very gradual compared to like major cities. We're not we, going to see the San Francisco well, highs or the Manhattan lows basically. Yeah. Like the, 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 uh, the what was it? The seven, eight recession. Like when Florida and, and Vegas, all these things are bottoming out and these REOs are coming out. We're not seeing that because it's, you know, yes, do we see for when I got in, do we see foreclosures and short sales all the time, like all the time. And it, it's funny. Like I see a short sale now. It's like seeing the unicorn. You're like, wait, a short sale. You don't see too many of them anymore. No. 2010, it was like one out of one or two out of every 10 was a short sale. I was like, holy crap. Like, okay, short sale, like bank approval, long closings. Like, Well, you used to literally just anybody could uh, mortgage like 120% of the value of their home, like right off the bat. And there's none of that anymore. You can't even, besides VA, you can't even refinance 100% value anymore. You got to go to like 80% value. Well, so. Yeah, and because people always... Real estate is like a stock market. It goes up and down. But if you have to look at what is causes that would cause a market like our market to go down, there's, there's a few. And, but basically, it's do we have a bunch of people moving away from the area? Currently, no. Do I see a trend where that's going to happen in the near future? No. Number two. People are coming in in droves. Let's think. And then number two, okay, we need, is there going to be a ton of new construction, meaning uh, homes built to sell spec homes. They build them, they sell them off subdivisions. Do I see that happening? I see it happening, but not soon enough. Meaning not like next year. I see it happening in three to five years. that start, those start popping up. But because of that, so we're going to have a few more years of this. And then you got to look at, is there any type of factor outside of, cause it's not going to, I would be shocked if anything, and I could be wrong on this, but I would be shocked if anything within our industry cripples our industry again. Because back in 2007, eight was the banking industry. Banking industry, to, in my eyes, is very strict. Like you, ha- you dot your T's, cross your I or cross your T's, dot your I's. You, everything's in place to get a loan. Back ten years, you used to be ago, able to do no income, no doc loans. Like a stripper could literally buy six condos at once in Miami for multiple million dollars. Even crazier, back in the day, they used to have three payment options. You could do a negative amortization, which let's say um, your payment is 100 bucks every month and you would knock 10 bucks off the principal. You could make a payment so low that your principal was going up every month. So you were just doing a $20 payment. There was just an interest payment. So let's say a mortgage payment is uh, 90 bucks principal, 10 bucks interest. Mm-hmm. You could just do a $10 payment of just interest. So to just keep your interest rate where it's at. And then there was a regular payment. So wow. all that wild stuff is gone. It's impossible to do mortgage fraud now. We check. I mean, you have to go really deep. You have to fake the IRS, us, and like everybody. Because we we get tax returns. We basically, the IRS sends us something and you say, all right, this is the real tax return. This is the real, this is the real income docs. We call a bank, make sure this is your real bank statements. And back in the day, there just wasn't as many... Um, fail safes and you could you could you could literally just walk into a bank and get a no income no docs no nothing close on a loan that's crazy like and and 
you and I never grew up with that. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of like stuff that we hear and it just blows our mind. Like that, that was the norm back then. And that's crazy. And that's, so I don't think that's going to happen again. So then you look at, is there going to be something that affects people's ability to buy uh, or make payments on homes in the future? So it'd be something that affects the economy. So I'm, of course, I've been thinking this for probably three, four, five years now because you can see the trends happening. Then coronavirus hit. And literally in my head when this hit, I was like, this is it. This is the bubble pops. We're going to reset, whatever. We've come out stronger since it. And it's like, okay, if that didn't stop it, a global complete shutdown, then I'm looking at, I don't really know what's going to, and again, unless I'm just too stupid to figure out uh, something. Well, up here we have very varied industries too. It's not like we're just a steel mill town where Mm -hmm. if the steel mill goes down, everybody goes down. We have... We have two colleges. We have multiple hospitals. We have factories that make everything from toilet paper to titanium aeronautic products. So we're very diversified up here. And um, it's just a good quality of life. Like I've had a lot of friends who, you know, they've been working in the stock market, working in the city, and they've seriously considered moving back up here because it's like, oh, are you going to buy a home for 450000 on Long Island? Or do you want... It's just like... Like great, great deal. Three bad, one bath, like ranch. If you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And then you could come up here. I mean, you could be in pretty much like a decent castle for like 200, 220 and like a regular home for a buck 30, a buck 50. Well, if you, if you do 400 up here, you're, you're, in, oh, the 400, higher, you're yeah. in the higher ends of homes. Yeah. Like you can have 40 acres and like a nice house and all the, like if, all the stuff. If you're above 500,000 in our market, you're on the water for the and, 90% and of the time or a huge massive land farm. Type and thing. like even just Plattsburgh, like if you go 30, 40 minutes outside of Plattsburgh, mm-hmm. you can get some gems. Yeah. Like... And then on the building, if you're if you're a young lad who's wondering or last wondering what to do, get into building, build the same exact homes as Cumberland Park, or com- what's the Champlain Park? Champlain yep. Park, build simple two three bedroom one baths. Um, that's the one thing that our market is missing. Besides people who pump out like double wides and modulars, there's not many builders who just want to build spec homes for regular people to buy. Uh, because well, now it's impossible. The price of lumber is like crazy. Well, that that's that's the one issue right now is the 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 building or the material costs. But if you look at who are the two builders that have built anything remotely close to uh, subdivisions in the last you know five to seven years, you had the one off of three seventy four Partridge Hill. Pretty much, I, I, from my understanding, almost every unit sold out, and, and the ones that are going up are selling relatively yeah, fast. And then Heritage Heights. Those are like, he's getting people to want them built. He's building them. Boom, boom, boom. Now they're starting to resell. The resale value on some of those are going much higher than what he built them originally. So it's mm-hmm. like those two, we like the proof's in the pudding. Those it, people want them. Now, the hard part is to replicate something like Champlain Park, which is needed because that's a perfect entry level home. Beautiful. And if you get a ranch too, then you start having the younger entry level and you have the older retirement. Mm-hmm. You get that, you build, a, you build some type of subdivision where you can put 100 to 200 homes in over time get to that level but if you went someone built up 50 homes they would all be bought within i would think within the year easy and then you go up so that's entry level which i would say you'd want between 101 to 200 as the sale value which yeah. i get it the margins aren't there probably right now. a buck 80 for the really nice ones and like a buck 40 for super basic yeah and, and i think sell those and, all day. and if they're brand new you could argue maybe like the 180 to 230 yeah. something like that and then you go up and then you have the other level where it's like okay the homes from 225 up to 300 or even 325 and that's like your second wave like the move up mm-hmm. then you start getting like the heritage heights 
Um, Heritage Heights homes are a little bit bigger and, and I'd say nicer than the ones on Partridge Hill, but you start getting the ones where you have the four bed, two and a half bath, you have the colonials, you have yeah. the houses that the families can move in. You need that also. Those would sell. And then you can get the, then you can really go if you want it because I think there would be a market for it too. The high end, kind of like the executive ranch, the executive, like mm-hmm. uh, the really nice. Attached garage, the extra stuff. Yeah, like the base, full basement hillside, like mm-hmm. built on, like you get those where I would deem those more of like the three to $400,000 homes. Those would sell. Like it's crazy. Like you have three different kind of markets. You have like your luxury market, you have your middle market, the colonial, and you have your entry level. Those would all, those that market like. It's exploding. If, in and around. Town of Plattsburgh, Town of Plattsburgh, Shazy, Morrisonville, West Shazy, Peru, Schuyler Falls. You get that like beltway right outside the I town of Plattsburgh. I think just 25-minute circle all around Plattsburgh is golden. Maybe 20, 15. I, I would say, Closer to 15. I'd say the 15 to 20-minute yeah. radius outside Plattsburgh, the city. It's like it's literally if you were to build them, they will come. And that, But the, again, I get it. The margins right now aren't, aren't the Me best Me and Travis builders. always talk about like let's just buy some land and put up you know one modular summer and just sell it, get our money back, and just keep going. Oh, you you would probably need more than one. You know, what yeah. I mean? you could just like keep floating. I think, and and the thing is, if if a builder once the once they get to the profit margin, like it makes sense. If a builder went from hey, I'm going to just be a builder to I'm going to build and sell, build and sell. I got a plan, I got a book. I mean, people don't like the cookie cookie cutter homes, but guess what? People buy the cookie cutter homes. Yeah. You know, it's like you can sit. most of America's cookie cutter homes. Well, when I like I said, I was at, out, I was flying over. Florida, Texas, you fly over these places and this is like pretty much anywhere there's congestion. You look down, there's subdivisions everywhere. It's suburbia. Like that's what it is. You know, flying into uh, Dallas, like you look around, it's just like these just Perfect. places. This is urban sprawl. Or not urban sprawl, suburban sprawl. Yeah, just got, you got a road, you have all the houses, you have the cul-de-sac, boom, boom, boom. It's like, you know, all the houses you see like in the uh, Pixar movies. Like every house is like this long road of house, 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 but that's what it is. And um, again, are the... They have the most character. People like the, the like our area is nice because you don't have that congestion. But at the end of the day, if you get people, that's what you have to do. You have to like do the you know half acre. It'd be nice if you have an acre, but like half acre to an acre of land, house, you know, backyard. Yeah, boom, you boom, put boom. in a fenced in backyard, half acre, one floor modular. Oh, sell that, every yeah. every day. You sell one. Yeah, and that's that's what's needed. But again, as it, like we said, it's it's the chances that happens. In the next couple of years, I think I I believe in the next two years, maybe, maybe extend out the three years, we'll start to see someone start to do that. Yeah, I think we'll see one or two subdivisions start to like the beginning stages. I mean, again, if you take the Heritage Heights or the Heritage Heights and the, and the Partridge Hill, I remember when those first homes went up, and if you look at it, like that was like 2014, 15. Yeah. So. Now you're looking at it seven years later. Like it didn't seem that long. So if, if something starts in two to three years, before you know it, you're gonna have a full fledged community there. So yeah. I'm hoping. But um, question I want to get to because a cu- couple things because I've been watching your videos. So I want to ask because you're, you're more knowledgeable on this stuff than Thank me. Thank you. The uh, number one, the reservation Indian sweater we have on. What is that? What kind of sweater is that? Oh, you're like your big like, I like know, my flannel. Classic. What is that? So, thing? oh, what is the company called? It looks it looks like to me like one of those. Uh, it's like it's amazing. Native it's American, like, like yeah, it's yeah. like a. It's almost like a maybe like a wool. It's so weird because it's it can be so warm. Like I can wear that when it's like negative five out, or I can wear it when it's like fifty out. And it's just comfy. It's just perfectly comfy. There's this. Oh, What's I, the pattern on it though? It looks like like Southwest like Native Aztec, American. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a. It's a. I just randomly found a company online. They just did ads at me, and it's like a legit Western store. Like they have like the dusters. Like you could buy leather pants, real hats, 
and I just yeah like real like and it's it's not like fake you know you're not going to a fake western store like it's actually made for outdoor use like they have actual leather jackets that are waterproof they have everything uh i wish i could find the figure out i want to say it's maybe outback trading company but they they out of what like new mexico arizona i bet you they are Texas, something like that i know they got they got a montana vibe you think so it's a little more north Oh man, that's like Yellowstone kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's little Yellowstone stuff. Looking for uh what's his Have you seen that? Yeah, that's a good show. My my wife just finished it. I haven't seen it. I got really big into uh um Ozark. Ozark is a great show. So I watched that. I'm I'm pumped for the new season to come out. I love that young blonde chick in Ozark. Ruth. She's such a badass. Dude, she's my she's one of my all time favorite characters off any show. Yeah, they they sell like oil skin clothes, which is like that's, um, yeah, you're right. That's like that's I almost think, like a little bit of revenant going on. Yeah, I think it's oil skin is like mink or something, but it's like, you know, you buy a two hundred twenty five dollar jacket that you can give to your grandkids' grandkids. Like it's just solid built stuff. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna slowly get into a little more western style. I think I'm almost ready. Like the western tie. Yeah, the bo- I forget they're called, like dri- bullocks or like bullocks or something. Drive by your house and see like the old like uh, just me on a me on no a cat. no. What's what's the uh, like the steer the bone steer head with the big oh, horns yeah. just like sitting out in the front? And you got- Have you ever seen that one in Jay? There's a house with a bronze cow out front. It's called uh, it's Highland Cattle Company or something. Where in Jay? What road? It's like on the back way to Ward Lumber from my house. So it's on I forget what Green Street turns into. Oh, uh, I, you'd remember it if you see it. Yeah, they got like a corner porch with area, a big but, bronze bowl. It's so cool. Um, the one I'm thinking of, there's one. It's like it's odd. Like you know, point the entrance to Point of Rush. Yeah, there's like four houses or five houses right there, and one of them had that for the longest time. I don't know if they still do, but it was like a steer, the bone steer head, and mm-hmm. had the they had like the uh, the wooden fence with like the uh, wagon wheel. Yep, it's kind of like a decor, but that's why I'm like all of a sudden you're gonna go by like Green Street and you're gonna have like this like. Like Western like style thing, like a little saloon on the side, but um, so okay, so you got the get up. Where you, you got that, and you got the glasses. Pit Vipers. Blue. No, I got a classy they, aren't one. They blue. No, I got black, uh, like black and gold ones. The glasses. I, yeah, my Pit Viper. Oh, those other ones. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, aren't those are my blue? old ones. Yeah, but now I'm rocking the Pit, Pit Vipers. Vipers. You'll you'll see them on the course this year when you're like, whoa, dude, who that guy just drived up on me on this par five? We're already on the green. You're, you're going to see the Pit Vipers from like 350 yards away. Did my drive carry here? Or is this to get <laughs> yeah. Um, so Didn't even hit the cart path, baby. Qu- question I want to ask you, because you, you came up with two of them. I think this would be something good for people to hear. Like Number one, um, stimulus checks. You did a whole thing on like what to do with stimulus checks. A lot of people got stimulus checks. Like What do you think? G- give them like some tips or some, some maybe smart investment moves with them versus... So it Just depends on your it. situation. If you're, if you're good, you know you don't have to pay your rent. Obviously, pay your rent, your utilities. Um, number one thing with a stimulus check: if you got credit cards, pay off those credit cards because interest is interest working for you is the devil. No, interest working for you is the eighth wonder of the world. Interest working against you is the devil, as Bobby Boucher's mom would say. Um, so, number one thing: pay off your highest interest debt. Or for me, my favorite thing is. Uh, they call it like the Dave Ramsey snowball effect. Um, you don't go by the highest interest rate. You go by which one has the lowest amount to pay off. So if you got a credit card with like a thousand bucks on it and one with five thousand, you pay off that thousand dollar one first. And then um, what I tell people to do is um, freeze your credit card, but not like call the company and freeze it. Um, literally put it in a glass of water and put it in your freezer and freeze it because then you could still use it in case of emergency. 
but you're not going to use it for something that you don't really need. So number one, pay off debt. Um, if you're a homeowner, um, cool thing you could do, you know, just hit the principal of your loan. Just boom, three thousand to the principal of the loan. Um, you know, it might take twenty years to pay off, but you're going to be happy that you did it at that time. Um, if you have health insurance, you know, pay six months ahead on health insurance. Whatever bill you hate getting the most, pay that one ahead. Um, most people's homeowners insurance is escrowed, but mine, I don't have an escrow, so I just paid half a year ahead on my homeowners insurance. I was like, you know what? I, this bill is always annoying because it's like six, seven hundred bucks, and it, every June sixteenth it comes. Like, let me let me punt that, pay that off. If you're in a good place, you don't have too much debt. Um, you know, paying off your car loan, or one thing, if you got a car above fifty, sixty, seventy thousand miles, get your transmission fluid changed, man. It's it's sort of expensive. It's like a few hundred bucks, but that's one of those things that it's going to be nice when your car is paid off. I've had twice in a row now when my well my first car it was the month it was getting paid off it got wrecked by a drunk driver i wasn't the driver it was another guy um my next truck the silverado everything broke down at 150,000 miles so in, in my humble opinion don't buy a silverado um but do preventative maintenance um you know follow when you're supposed to get your oil changed so go get the best synthetic oil go up to mobile 1 on route 3 get your oil changed shout out shout out to rob yeah. the og um Get your transmission fluid changed. Um, go get your vehicle inspected because if you got an older vehicle, you know whenever you get an inspection, you're going to need a tie rod or new tire, something stupid that's going to cost a few hundred bucks. Do what you would least want to do with your money. That's the best thing to do with your money. Um, if you could go back in time, invest it in Dogecoin. <laughs> what? So what? Um, yeah, keep, keep going. We'll get into that um, stuff after. So... I think preventative maintenance is great. Um, maybe maybe you haven't got your septic pumped since you moved into your house and it's been six, seven years. Go find your septic, dig it up, get it pumped. I think just smart preventative maintenance, whether or, you know, paint your deck, paint, paint the outside of your house. Um, do something preventative that's going to give you more money in the long run. What, what, was the, what was the stimulus? Like 16 per person or something? I think it was 1,200 a Twelve hundred per person. Well, no, the first one was six hundred a person. I think the one they just came out with. I got twenty four hundred, so it was twelve hundred a person. Twelve per person. Okay. Yeah. And if you have kids, you get money too. Yeah. The yeah. kid. This one was big because I think the kids got the full price. I think kids got twelve hundred too. I think, or maybe it was eight hundred. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever the amount was, I think. But that. So I'm looking. So it's different. So if you're like a single person, you make you said twelve hundred bucks. I don't think twelve hundred dollars. The ones you just said, I think, make sense. Like twelve hundred dollars is not going to like. It's not going to change your life. No, but it's it's one like you said it because I'm looking at like if you want to buy a house, like down payment, it goes towards it. It's not going to cover your down payment. It goes yeah. towards it. But I think I'm kind of under that impression too. Like I can put a little bit there, but if I can pay off something, I'd rather use that just so it's like, hey. It's a and then you get rid of a payment. Yeah, like you said, you got $1,000 on a card or $1,000 less on a payment or some type of loan you got to pay off, dump it. Sight unseen, out. You got a water machine here, right? Yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, actually, there's cups on top of the fridge. If you want to grab, grab a cup there, and then uh, at the far end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so actually, I'm gonna give Matt some shit because usually he goes out to the bathroom, so he's getting water. So usually I just kind of ramble while he's gone. Um, this won't be that long, so you guys don't have to listen to me too often. But I think if you get the 
um, if you get the stimulus of like twelve hundred, I, I would say the same thing. I would like personally, I would probably pay off some type of loan or, or payment, like a car payment, not car payment, but like a, you know, your insurance, like you said, for the house, do insurance payment for your car. Um, I always like knowing that it's going to cover something fully. I think it's just a mental thing. Like yeah. If it's going to cover like a third of it, it doesn't have the same uh, feeling as, hey, that just covered that entire payment for the mm-hmm. year for me. It's like a mental, it's like a small thing, but I think it goes a long way. So um, back to Dogecoin, is that what you Dogecoin. Dogecoin. So Dogecoin. That's a tough one. Doge. Doge. So say Dodge, but not the next D. You know, I think there's two. It's D-O-G. Is there two D's in Dodge, or am I crazy? No, there's one D. Isn't it D O D G E? Yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah so, so it's, it's, it's Dodge without the D. Doge. Yeah. yeah. Dogecoin. You got it. Because there's Bitcoin, there's Dogecoin. So tell us about both similarities, differences, and so cryptocurrencies in general is sort of a new asset class that is based on um, the blockchain. The blockchain is sort of like, um, so your bank has a ledger. Your bank has your checking account. Your bank has everybody's checking account and sort of a ledger of where all the money's at. Cryptocurrencies, I guess, sort of put that ledger online where sort of everybody can, you don't check each other's ledger, but there's systems, codes in place that make sure the ledgers are good. So now the... The source, like the the U.S. Treasury is sort of who we hold our faith in. Cryptocurrency sort of put that online, and it's just sort of a new a new asset class. Now, you've probably heard of Bitcoin. Bitcoin was made, uh, I don't know, probably in the early 2000s, maybe late 2010s or something. And it's, um, it's sort of the gold star of cryptocurrency. It went from, you know, a few pennies a piece to... Now one Bitcoin is worth sixty three thousand. Was his height? Wow! I think it's down to like fifty something now. Um, the interesting thing about Bitcoin is, I guess there's only twenty million of them in exist in existence, and people set up computers and mine them. I don't know much more about it. I think when you mine them, you set up a computer that does transactions and um, or like does some sort of data computing, and it pays you in Bitcoin. I I don't know much about mining. So I, I had talked to a couple of people that were in the business of mining Bitcoin. This is the thing with did Bitcoin. the guy up here? Didn't the guy up here do that? I know two people up here that did it. Yeah, yeah. and both were in, in different companies. One was local, one was a little more out of town. But they both worked in it. And the, the crazy thing was like trying. I know. I trust that they know what they're talking about. I found that neither of them, it's kind of like you right now, like trying to explain it. Like, it's like one of those things, I know it's in existence, but nobody has really given me a good indication because everybody says the same thing. It's you mine them, it's computer, like they kind of like. Nobody can explain it like, like you talk to a mechanic, he can explain a car to you where anybody can understand it. Yeah. He can tell you what it all is. you alone does. and you'd be like, boom, 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 or real estate, yeah. like, boom, boom, boom. But it's like, I always ask, him like, well, like, so it's like a currency, and then, but there's no good way to articulate it where it makes any sense besides like actually seeing, I guess, how it works. Yeah. From my understanding, mining is just a bunch of computers. Like, I, I'm thinking like a room full of computers that just like do all these. They're algorithms. like solving mathematical equations. Yeah, and when you solve it, you get rewarded with a coin. And I think they get longer as a coin's produced. So it's like almost like a snake game. 
Remember as a kid, you'd eat a snake and then it got longer. And that's, the idea was the more you succeed, the harder it gets. Cause, and I think that's what happens is the more people that are mining them, the less t- or the more time it takes to produce I think the one first, Bitcoin. The first ones were very easy to mine. And, and now they're quick. harder. And nobody, yes. supposedly nobody knows who made Bitcoin. It's like a mystery. Really? Yeah. Like they don't they, know, they, the, the they don't know who the real person is. It's, it's a Japanese sounding name. Some people say it's Elon Musk. Some people say it's. They really think Elon Musk started it. Maybe I don't. Th- I don't think so. I don't think that's a popular theory. But because um, he was big around that time with tech and stuff, like I mean, getting into it with you know the Zip One and all that, or Zip X or whatever. Yeah. So there's big Bitcoin's probably the rising star of um, the cryptocurrency world. There's Ethereum, and Ethereum is you know another crypto coin, but I guess. It also like serves as a function. That's like there's other uses for it, not just Bitcoin. Like it helps mine some. I could be totally wrong, so sorry if you love crypto and you're pulling your hair out now. <laughs> and then Dogecoin started as a joke. Um, two IBM Bros in 2013. I guess you can just like write a code and make a make a cryptocurrency. And like anything, you know, it's just based on supply and demand. Mm-hmm. So I got, um, I, I don't, I don't truly believe in cryptocurrencies yet. I don't know if they're going to be the future or there's going to be regulation or if, if, you know, maybe they're going to change the world and I'm going to be paying my mortgage one day with Bitcoin. Um, not to say I don't believe in them. I know they're real. I just don't understand them enough. To really go full bore at them, I, I think. So the, the thing is, when I talk, when I hear cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, I'm I'm completely open minded and accepted because part of this is when you talk about coming up with like an algorithm and then you make this like coin, which I think is I don't think it's a physical coin. It's like it's a digital coin. Yeah. But you like so. But even me saying that sounds dumb. It's like, oh, you said it's a phys- no, it's a digital coin, and and but the whole idea is wrapping your head around like when the internet came so, out. So it's decentralized. That's the big thing. Like Bitcoin, you know, the U.S. government they're the central control of the dollar. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is decentralized, where everybody's wallets sort of talk to each other and make sure everything's all good, nothing fishy's going on. Um, there's Ethereum, there's Ethereum Classic, there's Altcoin, there's Lit, Light, Litecoin, there's a ton of them. Uh, Doge has been in the news recently, and big shout out to my boys from college because they're like, Matt, dude, you gotta buy Dogecoin, dude. This is gonna be, this is gonna be sick. It's gonna pop. Yeah, it's gonna pop. And I'm like, you know what? I talked shit about Bitcoin. I was totally wrong. It's up to sixty three thousand now. I could have got in when it was like three grand. Um, so I invested 200 in Dogecoin at $0.04, cents and it popped up to – we'll go back in the history. So Dogecoin was created as a joke by some IBM executives. They used, um, I guess, some code that was already around. But uh, there was a popular meme back in the day of the Shiba Inu dog. Like, um, You ever see the dog that's in all the memes? It's like a little white brown dog, sort of. I'm sure I have. I'll show you a Shiba Inu. A Shiba Inu. It's I think it's called thing. that. Yeah, they're cool dogs. Is it a Japanese dog? I think it's a Japanese dog. There's a lot of Chinese and Japanese dogs. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yep. So, I don't know. They made it. They made that, and the, the, the face of the coin is that dog, and it's like a gold coin. Not that it's a physical thing, but like that's its, 
you know, the K, the Kavanaugh logo. That's his logo. So it's been doing its thing. Um, a lot of cryptocurrencies, they really came to fruition or got into the big leagues um, when the uh, Silk Road was around. Mm-hmm. The Silk Road was an online place that you could... Actually, I got a book I want to read on. It's called, I think it's called Kingpin. Is yeah. that the name of it? Oh, the, no, American Kingpin. I have it up there. I just haven't read it yet. I think it's like a kid, like a young kid from New York made it yeah. or something. Yeah. And the Silk Road was a place where you could... You could buy fake IDs, you could buy drugs, you could buy anything you wanted. And it was an underground thing, and they used Bitcoin, because I guess Bitcoin is sort of like untraceable, where you could send Bitcoin to somebody, and it's not like, you know, if you try and, uh, well, drug dealers don't take cards, but if drug dealers take, took cards, there'd be a paper trail. Mm-hmm. But Bitcoin, I guess, doesn't really, like, the government can't look at the paper trail. So people would send money, Bitcoin on the Silk Road to Asia, all over the world, and get, you know, pure MDMA. You could get ecstasy. You could get cocaine. You could get guns. You could get crazy stuff. Eventually, the feds got involved, and it got shut down. And to use the Silk Road, you had to get on the dark web. I don't know anything about the dark web besides it's the dark web. Yeah, I think it's I know like by a, name only. I think it's an encrypted browser type thing, but you got to... I believe you have to be invited. Like, somebody has to send you a specific link to get in there. That's wild. So, um, a lot of people, they use Bitcoin. Um, some people forgot about it. There's, this is a true story. There's a Bitcoin wallet in a landfill in Canada. And you can look videos on this online. It's one of the biggest landfills in Canada. And this guy has a $20 million reward for finding his old hard drive. Because it's not like, you know, if you forget your password at Chase, you can call up Chase and set up a new password. If you forget your coin wallet password, which is where you would store Bitcoin, it's like there's no help number. There's no there's no nothing. It's gone. There's no you can't call customer support. You just you just SOL. Mm-hmm. So um there's a guy where you can literally watch videos online of like an excavator and people are just going through the trash trying to find this old hard drive because it has like a hundred million worth of Bitcoin or something. Because back in the day, Bitcoin was only worth like, you know, three... Pennies on a dollar? Yeah, like a few pennies. So there's this... This is my favorite story. Um, there's this guy on Reddit, and I guess he doesn't have money or wants to do an experiment. And he says, if you can order me a pizza to, you know, whatever, 1234 Street, I'll send you 25,000 Bitcoin. So the guy was like, all right, whatever, I'll do it. I'll order this guy a pizza. And he got sent 25,000 Bitcoin. And that dude's literally a millionaire now. Because he just held on to it. I, he didn't sell, like, he sold at a good time where it was like, you know, whatever, 20, 30 grand. Um, so, yeah, Bitcoin is an interesting asset class. I'm not an expert at it. Um, don't put your life savings into it. Buy the dips like any stock. Wasn't it Mark Cuban said to uh, invest like 10% into Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's no dummy, so. Yeah, I think, I think if you, I don't think it's the worst thing if you're a, um, an investor to spread spread apart your money like diversify it up so my buddies from college were all in group chats like matt matt dogecoin 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 I'm like all right whatever guys i bought i bought uh, i have five thousand shares at four cents a share and it went up to 50 cents so i was up like 2500 you know it's not life-changing money but it's, yeah, it's pretty it's cool the right way yeah yep. Yep. 200 bucks into 2000 is awesome um the only problem with Dogecoin is it's an unlimited supply. So they didn't write in the code um, 
like Bitcoin, there's only 21 million of them where every... So you can get inflated. Either every minute or every hour, 10,000 new Dogecoin, Dogecoin are made. So I don't think intrinsically Dogecoin has a lot of value. I guess it is. I guess it's very easy transactionally to do, though. Like, I guess Bitcoin is sort of complicated transactionally. It takes a lot of power, where Doge is very simple. Um, Mark Cuban, what sports team does he own? The Rockets or something? Uh, Dallas Mavs. The Dallas Mavericks literally accept Dogecoin at their store. More places are starting to accept Dogecoin. Elon, How do you, how do you transfer it? Is it like Venmo? I mean, yeah, like it's, it's literally like Venmo. Yeah, yeah, like I could... Like Venmo's the greatest invention from yeah. like a money-sharing thing. Fantastic. Venmo just got into cryptocurrencies today. Really? Like literally this morning I saw something online. I, I absolutely love Venmo. Yeah, it's the best. Um, do you have a Venmo debit card? You got to get one, dude. It's great. Because I have like... I always have money in there because I just... Whenever I get... What's the difference between a Venmo credit card and Venmo? No, just like a debit card. Like a physical Venmo card. So you can go to an ATM and get your Venmo balance out. Can't you just do it from your phone, though? Yeah, but it takes a like it takes a little while. To, if you want to transfer your Venmo to your Chase card and then go to the Chase ATM, where Venmo like oh, so it's not instantaneous. Yeah, I have okay. I have a Venmo debit card, so like you know, um, whatever. My mom sends me money for my birthday. I have money on there. I can just go to an ATM and use it. So it's free if you got a Venmo. So you just request it. Yeah, just get it. It's great because especially like if you're out. The best thing I think for is is like if you're out with friends instead of asking for six checks, all right, everybody Venmo me mad quick and then oh, use my sure. Venmo card. It's like when you talk like bachelor parties and stuff, it's the greatest mm-hmm. invention. Yeah. Like I got my buddy, we were in Texas, like I got to get the statement, but like I was like, I was just like, hey, let me cover it. It's not like, you know what I mean? You don't have to sit there and be like, well, let me give you half, here's cash. And nothing was, me and my friends like back in the day when we were drunk at the diner, like nothing was worse where people would like, let's say their meal was 10 bucks and they just give you 10 bucks and then you're always like $20 short because it's tax and tip and everything so venmo made that super easy where you and your friends some person just usually takes the check boom boom Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and well the other thing too is like i so i got my hair cut this morning so i usually tip my my hairdresser or salon whatever they call it um the you you uh, go to a salon you don't go to a yeah i do go to a salon i don't know you don't go to a manly barbershop that only has women working like me no she's good but she i love big 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 shout out to plaza barbershop in my humble opinion as one of the uh top tier beards i would say in plattsburgh plaza barbershop has actual people who are barbers so they can give you a straight razor shave where is it um in the same plaza as jade and otb Really? What's that plaza called? Right at the bottom of Route 3? Big Lots. Yeah. So, which is funny, it's named after a store, but yeah, Big Lots Plaza. So, I got a, what's it called? Dollar, no, not Dollar Shave Club. Um, oh, Manscaped. I just did a big Manscaped order yesterday. Did you? Manscaped is dope. So, love it. So, like, I got a few things from Manscaped, and they send you, like, a lot of different, like, products, like, mm-hmm. each month, which is awesome. But have you used the Razor? No. So, the Razor is... The most minimalist, simplistic design you could think of. It's it basically like it it's just one razor in. with a one blade, right? It's ba- it, it's 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 like a, a what Stanley knife. What kind of razor? Yeah, it's, it's like a I know what you switch mean. blade razor, whatever. That's what it is. Two sides, and it's one blade, and you pop it in. You have the top, and you and it has like a the. It's kind of like a glorified guard, and that that thing is so freaking sharp. So so if you're cheap. Go to the dollar store and buy. You can get throwaway single blade razors. 
You don't want like a mock six razor thing because that is actually bad for your skin. It gives you acne. Like the four razors are going to cut your skin a little. Yeah, you want just one single or a double razor, and it you can get real nice beard lines. You can do everything. Oh, perfect, it's incredible! Right? It's absolutely incredible how sharp. But the thing is, like, if I have my problem is my neck. I'll get like bumps around my neck, grown hairs and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it just. I mean, it like rips it apart. So like if I shave with it, I typically shave on like a Saturday or a Sunday, like afternoon or whatever. And I do it because I'm usually bleeding when I'm done with it because I'll nick something. So yeah, like I don't want to do it before I'm going to work or something. So then, so you should put a warm towel on your face before you do it. Or if you want to go real deep, the warm shaving cream is the best. But like you need like a machine or something to do that. I bought a like a barber's kind of shaving yep. cream, which helps as you can tell it has more to it than just like a mm-hmm. Gillette. The, uh, the thing is though, I typically, which, which I should do the warm towel. Cause that, that would make sense. I typically shave before I shower because I want to like wash it all off, but, um, it would make sense to do it the opposite or just like I said, damp the towel and just make no, sure. It's I got the pro hot. tip for you. Get a fogless mirror shower. I shave in the shower. Do you? So you get your face super hot. I don't even use any shaving cream or anything. My face is just hot. And when I shave, though, all I'm doing is touching up my top lines yep. and touching up my bottom. I don't even touch up my bottom line. I just do it when I go to the barber. Oh, really? Yeah, but... um, I always do... Yeah, I do top and bottom. Go to Kelly. She's the last chair. Great. She's she's the... What do you call... I guess she's the chick instead of the man. <laughs> but Barberette? She, yeah, she does. When I was growing up, I only had one Dominican barber my whole life. Big shout out to Ace and uh, Dominicans. They grow hair from a very young age. So, like... You know, when we were in high school, I was one of my first friends to have a mustache. But, like, my Dominican friends have had, like, a beard for, like, two years when I had the mustache. And their beards are always on point. Their haircut's always perfect. You got the shade and everything. Yeah, shout out to A, shout out to Ronald Furman, shout out to all my Dominicans. (laughs) They give the best haircuts. And when I came up here, I used to, like, not get haircuts for months because I couldn't. I've tried multiple different barbers. Everybody was either good with the beard or good with the hair. Nobody was both up here. So, so you would just go back down and get him there. Yeah, I'd literally, I would go home sometime, mostly just to get my hair cut. And he called me Mustang Matt. The Mustang Matt, just because the hair would grow out? And- no, because I took my dad's Mustang there all the time. That's not a bad way to go, though. Yeah. The, uh, I, it's funny, when people find haircuts they like, like I, I, one of the guy, a new agents that, that's working here, he, uh, he's from Orlando. He was like, yeah, I got lunch with him. Yeah, Isaac. Dope guy. So he's like, yeah, man. He goes, I went down to Orlando to get my hair cut. I'm like, what? Because that's my guy. Like, he's down there. Like, so he went down and he went to go see his family. But when he's traveling, that's what he got. He really goes for his haircut. We don't have to lie. Exactly. So I'm the same way, bud. Yeah. So it's it's funny when you, and I kind of look at that as I don't know if I would get a haircut not with my person. It's funny that like the loyalty you have to the person that cuts your hair because they just know it. And you kind of like, it's a funny thing. But you like you build a trust factor with whoever you're dealing with, and it's just like that's my person. Like I've been Ariel's been the person that's cut my hair for you like seven trust years. Me. They got a knife to your throat. You need to. Well, she's a high. It's a high trust straight, situation. Yeah, she doesn't do the straight razor, but um, you know, she went to cosmetology school and did all that, so I'm sure she can if she had. She's not. It'd be licensed, I think, for that. You right? have to go. You have to like get a master's in barber. This yeah, dude had I, a master barber's license. My old she, dude Ace. Yeah, and to they, legally do a straight blade, you need like you can't just go to any barber and get a straight blade. Like I don't know why. But. So there's someone in Plattsburgh that can do it. Yeah, she's the only one I know of. Because um, I would like to do it just to experience it. Because I think it'd be fun just to get one. Um, I think if I ever was to shave back down to the skin, I would go get someone to do a straight razor. 
Yeah. Like instead of doing it myself, I would pay someone just to like trim it down, shit, like just do it proper. That's what I do. I just tell her like high. I want my beard line pretty high. I like it to come to my lips, like the same as you, basically. Yeah, I've got the same. Rough. And then I do like my we're, neckline. We're, we're yeah, we're pretty similar. My we got pretty much the same. same as you. Yeah, you yeah. grow a legit beard. You yes. got the connectors. So the legit beard test. This took me a while. Is if you have 20s. the connectors. Yeah. And that's like if you could do a handlebar mustache, you got a real beard. If you can't do a and, handlebar and mustache, you. If you really can't see the connectors, are basically the ends of your mustache down to your beard. Yeah. Yeah. It's just to the outside of your mouth. Like that that part, yeah, exactly. You've got the, the Fu Manchu kind of thing going. I don't know why, but it's the most coveted beard spot. Like a lot of guys, I guess, can't well, it grow takes that. Time. So what happened, when, I remember when I was a kid, this took, I don't have a great mustache. Like I don't have a thick mustache. This right here takes for, took me forever to get. Now it comes in fine. Then the other one was down here, like down kind of like the yeah, soul the, patch the area. Soul patch. was always a little t- troublesome. And when I was in high school, I could always grow a, not as nice as I can now, but I could always grow facial hair. So if I like went up, I always had a bald patch. Like, and I thought this was gonna be forever. I'm like, this is gonna suck. I'll never get a full beard because I always have this like bald patch. So I had a bald patch right below my chin. Mm-hmm. Like you, you couldn't, like you wouldn't be able to look at it like this. But it was but you like know, I lifted my neck you know. up. You would see, yeah, you'd see a, a complete bald spot. There's no hair that grew, and I have no problem with that. Now that's like one of the thickest spots I have hair. But it's like it was so funny that up until I was probably like. 18 years old that never really grew in full yeah um, and if you got a patchy beard and you're listening right now shave it shave it you look like shit yeah i'm talking to someone in particular not <laughs> not you galen but the uh patchy but, beards look like shit yeah, you look like you homeless well that's the thing with like, like a mustache cra- like i would never do a mustache because it's not a full mustache because i just know i couldn't pull it off so i just well you got light colored hair too so that's the problem and when i was a kid my, as my beard grows, it gets like red. Yeah, you get red. Yeah, my beard gets red. Mine does too. Mine like spots of it get red speckles. Well, so I have blonde. I typically get blonde up my by my chin. And as mm-hmm. it gets farther down, it goes like reddish down to dark. So I get real dark here. This is all red, and this is blonde. So it's kind how of did mixing. how do we go from Dogecoin to be? Oh, because you were saying you tip her in Venmo or something. Oh, that's right. Yeah, thanks. We'll come back to it. So so with Venmo, yeah. So I end up I like I could put it on the check or cash. I very rarely carry cash, so it's like. Then one day I was like, oh, I can just Venmo you my tip. So yeah. I was like, there you go. Boom. So, yeah, so Dogecoin. Go back to that. So Dogecoin, 2013, two Microsoft execs, they or IBM people, they made it. It started as a joke, and it's just slowly been rising. I know people who bought in when it was like point zero 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 one or something. And um, now, you know, major companies are taking it as cash. I don't know how exactly it works for them. I'm sure they have a payment processor that can figure it out. But I guess for them, they think it's going to continue to rise. So it makes sense if last week you sold $20 in merchandise for something that was worth $0.30. And now it's up to $0.35. You made money, and I think it's a way to protect themselves from inflation. What happens if there's no cap, though? Like you said, if all, there's unlimited I don't supply think of this, so then it just devalu- devalues My plan to get out a Dogecoin, Elon said that he's literally going to put a literal Dogecoin on the literal moon. Elon loves pumping up Dogecoin. Whenever Doge spikes, I always search Elon's Twitter because he'll like tweet out a picture of a Dogecoin and it will spike you know, 10, 20 cents. Just from a post. Yeah, my plan is I have 5,000 of them. When it hits a dollar... What are they right now? Um, right this second. Let's see. Like, should, is this something I should like do today? No, you don't think so. I wouldn't say you missed the boat, but what if you think it's going to go up? Like, uh, it's pretty low today. Right now, it's at thirty cents. So, if I was to go in and buy it at thirty cents, like, where's thirty cents in relation to anything else? Like, where where it's been? Oh, I mean, dude, if you want to see something crazy, like, look at the 
Look at the one month chart. Like this was like so was four or five cents. Like it yeah, was but- it was pennies on the dollar. It stayed around a high of seven to eleven cents for like two or three months. I bought in on I think February. Yeah, the end of January, beginning of February. My friends were like, dude, 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 do it. I just got a Robinhood account. Um, so I was like, all right, whatever, I'll do it. I'll put 200 bucks in it. We'll see what happens. And now my 200 bucks, the highest it's been was a $2,000 return. But right now it's at 1300 for a 700% return. So how, what, what if you, you wanted to buy Dogecoin right now, try and buy it below 30 cents. So what is your, how much, how much money, 30 cents, how much so shares do you have? 5,000. So if I did like five thousand, it would cost me fifteen hundred bucks to get to five thousand. Yeah, and it only cost me two hundred at the time. Gotcha. I mean, if I were you, if you want to make a little bit of money, or no, like this isn't a good investment advice. But if you want to mess around, um, buy like a hundred bucks or two something that you totally don't care about. Buy a hundred or two hundred bucks worth of Dogecoin when it's below thirty cents, if you can, because right now it's hovering between like thirty and forty-two cents. And it's actually been dropping the past few days, so it's not the worst time to get in. So if you cost you like fifteen hundred bucks, and say it goes up to a dollar, yeah, then you'd make a lot. What you say five? So it's five thousand times seventy cents. Wait, what? Am I thinking that right? Well, no, if you bought in at thirty cents and, and it went up to fifty cents, or went up to it'd be twenty cents times yeah, twenty cents times five thousand, so twenty five hundred. No, I don't know. So it'd be so you go up to six thousand shares. Yeah. So six thousand. Well, shares. you don't get more shares. You just no, shares but the one, are worth but more. But the one thousand, so the shares would go up. But I'm saying the share that's the equivalent of you going up about three hundred bucks. Yeah. Gotcha. And then, yeah, the stock market's been tanking a little lately, but I've I've had some decent buys. I just bought Neo and Clove this morning, and so far I'm up like ten bucks on each of those. The uh, yeah. So the thing is that when it starts getting into like stock market stuff i've just never been you you follow the stock market so my thing is i like to talk to a variety of people i have friends who work on wall street who are geniuses they have their masters in um in like business related stuff stock they do stocks in and out they're in the back end they're doing securities for companies so they do investing for companies i talk to them i have friends who are geniuses in their own right in a different way they're an electrical engineer who are obsessed with crypto who love it I have friends um, who are making very good money right now, and they talk with, you know, they're in, they're in a company where it's it's sort of a sales industry. It's like a headhunter kind of industry, so you kind of get investment bankers to work for you and bring their portfolio over. But they get to hang out with high net worth individuals who are smart, who look at the stock market every day. So one of my favorite co- quotes is, "Good artists copy, great artists steal." What I do is I talk to four different friends who are in their own um, in their own lane, I would say, of investing. Like one of my friends, if you're if you want to be an investor, put in put in a hundred every month, slow and steady. Buy the S and P five hundred. Just do dollar cost average. That means you buy when it's high, buy when it's low. Slow and steady wins the race. If you want to gamble and have fun, you know, you can day trade, but I like to talk to, so like for you, you could talk to Jared Burns. You could talk to your crypto friends, like, because I keep hearing about a new kind of crypto called SafeMoon and Cardano. Don't know anything about them. Don't invest in them. I have no idea. 
but they're like less than pennies now. And I keep seeing stuff online about them. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw like a hundred bucks because everybody, anybody can make a crypto coin. So there's a lot of, so a lot of it is just how the demand is around it. It's literally just supply like and demand. Dogecoin, like if nobody cared about it, we wouldn't be talking about it. So yeah. Somehow they found a way to put some I, value on it. Most of them, I don't believe, have intrinsic value. I think it's just people want to make money, so people get into them and start trading them. I don't know if it's going to change it's like the world. Trading baseball cards or Pokemon cards. Yeah. So what I do for investments is I talk to, I just talk to four people from four very different backgrounds who have very different stock picks. And to be honest, I don't look into it. I don't look at the company. I don't look at any of the stats, anything. I just follow the company and buy when it's low. Like my brother-in-law, he's a pretty smart dude. Um, he's made some good trades. Like in, in the beginning of COVID, he was like, Matt, do this, buy this, this, and this. And I just didn't have a lot of money at the beginning of COVID because I was working on the house. And I wish I listened to him because he's had you know, multiple X's of income increase just because, you know, a company like Ford isn't, isn't going around. It's, it's not going anywhere. So he bought a bunch of stocks at the beginning of the pandemic when everything was crashing. I remember in 2008, my, um, sports science teacher, my, some sport teacher, he was like, you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but when there's blood in the streets, when the market is crashing, when everyone's saying, sell, 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 we're going to lose our house. That's when you want to buy. That's a Warren Buffett quote, right? Yeah. yeah. So if I were you right now, if you guys are listening or to Galen, I'd save up, you know, one grand, two grand, five grand, whatever sort of means you have and wait for, you know, when you see on the news, like stock market is plumbing. The Dow, the Dow Jones is down mm-hmm. and wait until it's at the very, very bottom and then buy blue chip companies that aren't going anywhere. Buy Tesla, buy Apple, buy Microsoft, buy buy stuff that you use and believe in. Like I've invested in a lot of marijuana stocks recently because yep. you know, name me a plant that you can make a thousand dollars off one single plant in three to four months. To me, I think marijuana it's uh it's amazing. It has great properties it's, for people. It, it's, it's fully but, legal now in New York, right? Yes. So the New York law now, you can have up to three ounces on your person and you're totally fine. You can have up to an ounce of concentrate, which is like hash oil or a dab pen or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not legal yet to grow, but you're going to eventually be able to grow three plants, three mature plants per person, up to 12 per household. Um, now, marijuana, it starts... Um, like a little plant, and then it grows what are called buds. So that's what people, like when you see weed, that's you smoke the buds. Um, and a pound, one plant, if you're great at doing it, can grow like anywhere from a half pound to a pound of marijuana, um, which is worth anywhere from, you know, a 1000 to $2,000 and up. So that's why I think, um, I think the future, especially in upstate New York, a lot of people don't know this, we're on the same meridian line as Humboldt Valley, California, and that's sort of the the OG California growing weed place. Like that's where Cheech and Chong were based on. It just happens um, with the changing of the seasons. Same climate. Yeah, it's just the same climate. So, um, um, about humidity or anything like that? Is that yeah, it all, everything affects it. I don't know. I don't know too much about the growing side, but I know. Northern New York, we have a lot of open land. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of 
Um, even Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh has a crazy power grid because the military used to be here. So, like, you know, most towns you can't you can't open up a store and get a power line that's like this big to run crazy stuff. Um, but Plattsburgh has that. So I really think there's going to be a strong, strong future of marijuana growing in upstate New York. Like as an industry. Yeah, as an industry because we have the farmland. We have the infrastructure. We are right near major shipping ports. We're right on major highways. Yeah. And, you know, for big marijuana grows. boom up here for us. Yeah, yeah, you need land and fertilizer. And up here we have a lot of fertile land. We have a lot of old airplane hangers. Um it's uh I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because you know you can give your money to drug dealers you can give your money to the cartel people cannot pay taxes on it or the government can get a little smarter and say weed's not going anywhere the war on drugs it didn't really work and you know marijuana is not a drug it's uh it's a plant it can yeah it can mess you up yeah you can you could take a super high edible and you know have a crazy day but at the end of the day you're just going to if you take too much, you're going to go to sleep. It's not like alcohol where you're going to get in a fight or get in a car accident. You're going to drive slowly in McDonald's. That's that's about the worst thing that could happen. Um, if you're listening to this and you're not a normal marijuana user, um, what I would say to people is uh, be very weary of edibles. Um, you can have an edible that's the size of a little candy ball that could knock out a 300-pound lineman. So... Um, if you you know want to get into smoking, don't hit anybody's dab pen. Um, take take one hit on a joint at, at a safe place. We don't have to drive or have to do anything, mm-hmm. and experience it slowly. Most uh, marijuana horror stories are people take. You know, you have a you have a, a friend who's a piece of shit in my opinion, and they're like they want to get you fucked up. They give you like a crazy bong rip or a, a, a dab pen is a marijuana concentrate where it's like. Um, it's like a vape pen. It's like a little jewel, but you take one hit and it's the same as like smoking a whole joint. So if you're new to it, don't hit a dab pen, take a little puff off a joint or like one hit on a bowl and, you know, be in a safe place with people you trust. Don't do it at a party. Don't do it somewhere weird because, um, I think now that marijuana is becoming more socially acceptable, there's going to be a lot of people who, um, you know, like you, you were, you were a straight laced guy in high school. Yeah. So if people want to try it, don't don't do an edible unless it's only like a one milligram or something like that. Um, and you know, don't don't drive on weed. Don't don't ruin the fun for other people. Just do it somewhere safe. Um, have a bunch of snacks lined up, and don't worry about driving. Um, if you if you do want to take an edible, I think the best way to do it is um, watch a movie or something where you're not because a lot of people like they're in their head. Like I've I've ha- I've seen people freak out on edibles because it's like way too strong. But I think if you're watching a movie or doing something, you don't really realize it's happening. You're so engaged in the movie, and then you know three hours later at the end of the movie, you ate all the popcorn in the Cool Ranch, and you're fine. You're gonna go to bed. So what's what's the benefits of like edibles or whatever? Like um, the dangerous part about marijuana is the combustion of plant material. So the that's the most dangerous part. You're you don't want to put smoke in your lungs. Um, Everybody knows smoking isn't good for you. Cigarettes kill. Um, I think it has uh, very good anxiety help for a lot of people. I know, uh, like my father personally, he I wouldn't say he had anxiety, but he had a very busy brain. Like he was like, go, 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 do, do, do. And it just sort of slowed him down a little and brought him 
a sense of calmness, a sense of peace. Um, the thing about marijuana is there's two there's two dominant strains. There's indica and sativa. Um, indica is uh, I basically call it couch weed, so it's going to make you tired, make you sleepy, bring you a sense of relaxation and calmness. And sativa, I call it hiking weed because it sort of elevates you a little, wakes you up, um, gets so you more of a stimulant. Yeah, like okay. like there's, and I really learned about this um, when I was in Amsterdam because, um, you know, when I was younger, you just buy weed in the black market and it's just called weed. It's not like. You don't get to pick the strain. You don't get to pick whatever. You just go somewhere and buy it. When you go to Amsterdam, um, it's such a cool experience. Um, if anybody wants to go to Amsterdam, I say go to Old Amsterdam. Um, I don't know. That's just what it's called. It's a beautiful Dutch city. Everybody's super friendly, super nice. And uh, one of my favorite experiences is I was uh, I was in Amsterdam. We're hanging out in a smoke shop. And this... Uh, Super cool looking German couple comes in like, you know, the the lady and the man, they're in their 40s, like super smoke show I could see back in the day and just like in shape German businessman. And um, they just happen to come up to me like, hey, I never I never smoked before. Like, can you come? What should I do? And I'm like, guys, I'm going to I'm going to set you up. I gave them a sativa dominant strain, which is sort of like a waker up strain. And um, when you go to the coffee shops in there, you get um, tea, you get biscuits, like they give you, bring you mad nice tea with like honey in it. I was like, take three hits of this joint. I didn't even, I just gave them the weed for free because I was like, it's it's whatever, go have fun. And um, on the way out, I just see both of them like laughing and having the time of their life together. And um, so in, in Amsterdam, when you shop for weed, like it has percentages of it. So it'll be... 100% sativa, 100% indica, a 50-50 mix. Um, most of the marijuana you get on the black market is going to be a hybrid strain because indica plants are smaller but denser buds and sativa plants are bigger but more like branchy, sort of like a uh, like a pine tree. Like a pine tree is, it has, you know, a few branches here and there. It's big and tall, but for the black market what you're trying to yield is how much you can grow in a in a small area so it's a hybrid so all they're caring about is how much weight are they going to get off the plant so um there's um like on an episode of joe rogan i was listening to he was like an xda agent and you know some marijuana grows like out in california and mexico they're going to use dangerous pesticides they're going to use stuff that you wouldn't use normally for growing because they just care about they don't really care about the product they're going to give it chemicals to give it super heavy buds it's not going to be like a natural thing um i don't think there's that much of that weed around i think it's mostly in the midwest because some states have super heavy marijuana laws so people don't grow out there um but and like you go to a good guy in new york you can get like good um not organically grown but just you know natural fertilizers natural stuff nothing crazy in it and um yeah it's a it's a it's a good experience um massachusetts has seen great revenue growth and from legal marijuana sales colorado they did a cool thing where most of the tax revenue went to the schools 
And my buddy's wife or girlfriend at the time was a teacher out there. And she was like, yo, like, this is awesome. Like, she helped the underserved community. And when she first started teaching there, you know, it was old books. It was not the best pay. It was, you know, not everywhere has the best tax base. So it's sort of a rundown school. But they made sure to give the money to, like, more rundown areas that don't have as much. So they got, like, all the kids got tablets. Um the teachers got like smart boards and um, she said it was just a much better teaching environment because, you know, they had new books. They had extra money for supplies. They got to do a really cool like science project that in the back in the day, the teacher would have had to pay for out of pocket. Um, and New York is in a budget crisis right now. And um, there's things that say marijuana is actually the number one cash crop in the country, worth more than corn, worth more than tomatoes all over oh, the cash crops so, yeah. yeah because one plant can make you two thousand dollars so it's well i think too as you, you start going from the agriculture standpoint you're gonna see the agriculture start i mean as you, you're already seeing it starting to decrease well decrease, up, up here there's you know there's family farms that have been in operation for 200 years dairies where um you know mega corporations like walmart and stuff um they've driven the price of milk down so much where it's like a dollar a gallon mm-hmm. so i mean i don't even know what farmers were getting but i assume if the store is at if it's a dollar twenty at Walmart, I would say the farmers are probably getting twenty cents a gallon, and it's not like their prices are going up. The price of gas, the price of equipment. Yeah. So, I in a perfect world, I would love to see old dairy farmers who, you know, it's I didn't grow up with a farm. It's not like something where it's my pride and in my blood. It wasn't like my grandpa's grandpa worked this land, and now it's mm-hmm. now it's mine. So, I would love to see. You know, instead of corn all in fields and stuff like that, I would love to see, you know, if it becomes super legal and keeps going, like people be able to make a great living off of a relatively harmless plant. I think it could really change the North Country economy because really all you need for it is space and light or... Like you said, the right climate. Yeah, the right climate for it. I mean, like I said, I don't think it's a bad idea because you got to look at... I got a pretty progressive mindset, so if I think that things, it's like the, it's, it's, um, just look in history. If like anything that's a now like a normal thing in our lives, at some point it was taboo. At some point it was like, oh my god, I can't believe this thing is this is available. I mean, if you go from media, like podcast, podcast is nothing different than they did the radio seventy years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Eighty years ago, whatever the the radio was like, that was it was voice. Now it's just decentralized, like. Galen can have a podcast versus the back barrier, in the day the only barrier NBC to entry is very yeah. little and, and part of the from the internet but you look at like the, then what's like TV the TV's the devil it's like well no now we got t- now I got a TV in my phone I remember as a kid being like wouldn't it be cool to like watch TV while you're like taking a bath or like you know you know in the bathroom or take or like in the car like all these things have been awesome to have a TV now you do like it's like yeah. and it's crazy that you can watch all these things and I mean this was thoughts I had 20 years ago as a kid like oh wouldn't it be cool to, like have a full TV in the car as I'm going on a road trip. Yeah. And before you had to like buy like a little mini car. You had to, you know, you had to plug it into the, you know, the outlet, yeah, the, the smoke outlet thing. or whatever. Yeah. And that's how you got the power. You put a VCR or a VHS in and that's what you watched. And now it's like I can put headphones in. I can watch whatever I want. Someone else could watch what they want. And, you know, I think that that took 20 years to do. And now things are increasing. And even think about like faster. even the mortgage minute and like your videos, like back in the day, it would have cost a hundred thousand to get video equipment to stream live to people, mm-hmm. and now everybody has a supercomputer on them. Oh, would they say that the the phone that you have is like 
greater than what presidents had up until like the 2000s or something oh like yeah to run the free world like, if you look like, at like the old like war rooms and stuff from like bill clinton and like like the headquarters like they had computers like the size of this room yeah it's and like literally like just to do like microsoft word probably yeah like yeah. they didn't do dick yeah now they, they they carry around well actually have you ever seen the uh um the steve jobs one with michael fassbender kate winslet the movie on steve jobs i forgot what it was called jobs or steve or something like that it wasn't the Ashton Kutcher one. It was the one with... I've read his book, I'm pretty sure. By I know Walter a good Isaacson. deal about him. I forget which one it is. Yeah, but it's I, the one I have. Steve it. Jobs is a G. It's on my... Uh, it's up there somewhere. I think it's called... He's a visionary, Jobs. man. I want to know what the, the proper name... I, I had a bunch of books, and I don't know if they're all up there or not. I think it's called Jobs. But he... Uh, so that when you start looking at the old computers they're making, like these like bulky things. I remember the original... I say the original Mac was like in the 90s. It was like the little gray. Yeah, it was like a circle. It had like curves well, no, on before it. Before that, it was like the little boxy one. And it was probably it was probably like one foot by one foot. And it was probably like, I don't know, 18 to 20 inches tall. Yeah. And then it went to the iMac, which was the color. You could look through I it. I remember my, all the schools my buddy's them. parents were uh, uh, art teachers. And they had like a Mac like way back in the day. Like OG Mac. And it was it was a game changer, man. If you went from a Microsoft to a Mac. Like I used to love my MacBook. I had a MacBook in college. It's mm-hmm. great for everything besides doing schoolwork because like it doesn't cuz the yeah, colleges but- are going to be Windows, so like I did used to log into business programs and I had to like run a fake drive where convert them. Yeah, fake my computer, but Mac like people don't realize like Mac changed the games. Like iPhones, there was razors before that. There was Blackberries like I had a Blackberry before I had an iPhone. Yeah, dude. I Back remember in dude, I was the coolest kid in school when I got my um like iPhone 2 or 3 when it came out yeah. in like 8th grade or something. I remember all the babes like, yo, let me see your iPhone, man. Let me swipe. Yeah, yeah dude. It's crazy because you don't realize now everybody everybody dude. has a phone. and I don't think, yeah, I don't think iPhones the, are cool anymore. Like, I, I don't think they're iPhones as... iPhones never had a keyboard, right? As far as I know, they didn't. Because like when I got the BlackBerry, I think in like 2009 I or 10. I want a BlackBerry, man. Why well, had a BlackBerry at the BBM? The BBM, you Dude, I remember in college, I got shut down because a chick asked me for my BBM. I was like, yo, I don't have a BlackBerry. <laughs> loser. What a yeah, loser. Like, uh, guy's got a razor. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but you have like, so I remember the BlackBerry <laughs> and it was a, yeah. So, probably 2009, I got this thing and it was dope. Like, my dad had one, then I got one because I thought it was cool. And you sat there and like, you had a full keyboard mm-hmm. and I remember clicking it and I remember getting an iPhone because at the same time, I think I got my first iPhone like around 2012. I, I knew that you could just see that everything was progressing to that kind of style. So I was like, ah, I like the Blackberry. I like the keyboard. That was yeah, my big thing. I, I don't like the phone. Like my, I used to like what the do you have, iPhone. An iPhone? You have an no, iPhone? I, got, I got an Android, bro. I'm a broke boy. I, I got thought, a Pixel 3 or 4. I thought you had an iPhone at one nah. time. I mean, way back, maybe when we first met. Really? Yeah. Once, I, once mom wasn't buying my phones anymore, had to get a had to get a Pixel. So I, I've had an iPhone. So this is me. I've had an iPhone since 2012. I like this is me. My new phone. I don't even look at anything else. I'm like, I'm just getting what's the new Apple, whatever. So my thing with like people get apples like every year or every couple of years. I had an I, I had an Apple, or Apple. I had an iPhone eight. Plus mm-hmm. that I think I got in 2000, where we in 2009, 21, probably 2017. I got this thing, whenever that year came out. So this is a 12 Pro Max. Like this is the best one you can get now. Yeah. Next year they'll have probably a 13 or whatever. But 
I, I ended up going like five, four years, I think, between. So I missed the, the nines. I missed the X. I missed the 11s. I missed all those. Um, I used to notice, though, when I got really mad at iPhone, is literally the week an iPhone came out. My iPhone, like, yeah, the battery broke. Like, it just, like, stopped working. That's what mine did. As soon as like, the week of the 12 came out, just like, it got really bad. That made me really not like iPhone. If you. So I have to use like mortgage programs on my computer. I'm sure they now everything's more advanced. So I'm sure I could run them, but like I just have a Windows laptop, whatever kind of laptop. I think if you do have all Mac, it's great. Everything works together. Your watch that's, talks to your computer, talks neat. to your car, talk everything. I think that's awesome. But I just didn't like having to be in that expensive ecosystem. So yeah. um, it, I love my Google. Pic. I always get. I'm cheap. I always get like. A Pixel Four just came out. I just got a Pixel Three because my Pixel Two broke. I never buy the new, the new new phone because I'm just like, doesn't matter. It's it's cool. Like I don't. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think this phone the only difference is like the camera. The camera but, is amazing but, on but, that. Yes, yeah, dope. But I went from the eight to this, which there's a decent gap. It's four years technology. Oh, yeah. But do I get that? And do I think it's like blows me away from what the eight was? No. They're pretty. I mean, a nerd like at Apple could be like, oh my god, it's got this. Me. I'm very simplistic. Like, I think people think I know more about technology than I do. I'm not very savvy. Like, my thing is, like, I need it to do what I need it to do. Yeah. And I don't care you about You want to check your email and go live and take good Emails, video. texts, social media, like, some basic stuff. I like the photos. Not even the photos for, like, work. I like the photos because I like taking, like, photos of my kids. Like, yeah. So, like, the portrait mode on the, on the iPhone is incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. So, like, taking some of these where it's, like, the aperture and it blurs it out. And, like, I, there's some really cool things about it, but... At the end of the day, I'm very basic. I'm not like, what's the guy that knows? Who's the kid that does all the tech reviews? Um, forgot his name. Very good. Does all the tech reviews. Um, There's a bunch of channels that do that on YouTube. He, he's like know. super known. Um, I actually watched him on, he was on the Rogan podcast one time. Brown is his last name. Really? Must have been back in the day. No, no, no. You'll, you'll know. Uh, what the hell is his name? It's going to come up and I'm like. Everybody's going to be like, dude, it's this guy. Uh, Since Marquette, we've been talking, Marquez Brownlee. Doge went up two cents since we've been talking. See, I would have I, I <laughs> bought it. You could have made some good we money. We would have made money over the podcast. So Marquez Brownlee, he's got like 14 mil subscribers. So he does all these tech reviews. They're seen by like, like Colored IMAX. Let's talk about Apple's 420 event. Like He's very like into the tech, which is cool. Like, But I'm not, I'm not into like that much. Yeah, you just know the new one's going to have some cool new feature and it's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I just know it's going to allow me to do what I need and more. And I'm like, you know what? I'm good. We can, we can deal with that. Um, Are you an Apple Watch guy? I've never owned an Apple Watch. I have no intention to. Yeah, well, you're you're a slave to your phone. I mean, you get calls all the time, well, so I feel like that'd be annoying. I would hate it. I don't want people to have access to me. Like the point, yeah. like when I, it's annoying when they see someone that has a watch because like they don't have a phone, and I'm still like, oh, they're not checking. All of a sudden, to be like. Like, I've had podcast guests where, like, usually, well, not on my phone, we're podcasts. Like, we have it today just because sometimes when they bring, like, friends on, we we're just gonna, start shooting the shit. We yeah. start looking stuff up. But most of the time, I'm not on my phone. And I've seen some people where they'll be like this. They're addicted and they, like, to look it. look down, and I'm, like, not really paying attention, but they're, like, responding to stuff as they're talking. So I know they're not engaged. And it hasn't happened often. I can count on, like, one or two I'm, people have done it. I'm thinking about getting a second phone. That doesn't have any apps or like anything on it because I've been wasting way too much time on my phone. Like I want like a light phone or something where it's like my main phone line. I can call people. I almost want a BlackBerry where I can call and email, but I can't do other stuff. And then like have a media phone that I just use for work or like and check like one yeah like Snapchat to my friends or something like that. What uh, 
for like a phone, like you, like say you waste time on the phone or whatever. Like, what's your major culprits of like time wasters on a phone? We all have them. I have some. I'll it's talk just about mine. Everything. I go from Facebook to Instagram to Snapchat to TikTok to you know. You can read news stories. You can you know and learn about Dogecoin. You can go on a rabbit hole in Robinhood where I'm just looking at crazy stuff like different stocks and stuff. So my, I very rarely go on Facebook. I go on Facebook to check my messages, and that's it. I very rarely post organically to Facebook, too, because it's usually through YouTube, it's through the, the podcast, or it's through Instagram. So my Facebook, like if I go on it, I could have anywhere from like three messages to like 20. Like If I put a new listing out on there, it's like yeah, the other day, it's like 20-something yeah. um, notifications. So I get to the point where I'm like, you know what? I, I go, I, I filter through the ones I need, and I get rid of it. And then Instagram, I'm one of those guys on Instagram couple things one i've wanted to do this on both personal and my professional page is go through definitely my personal one and limit it down to like 50 50 things because part of it's like do i really need to see like do i need to see you on my personal account and on my business account yeah i know what you mean or do i need to even do i even care like why am i following that brand or company or whatever because i don't like so part of me is i wanted to like really limit down so when i go on instagram I very rarely swipe through. So usually if I go through, like I'll open Instagram and I'll go down like 10 things and I'm out. Like it's kind of, and most of it is like eight, if it's on my business, it's agents here. If it's on my personal, it's like golf memes. Yeah. And then maybe like some like close friends, they post stuff and that's about it. Like I'm not going deep to the point, you know, you can go on and search like least interacted with. And like, if you go on to your followers, which ones you most interact, most shown, least shown. So you go down like the least shown. I'm like, why am I even following these accounts? I'm like, oh, well, I would like to follow them, but I, do I really need to follow their account? So I do a little hack where I like to talk to realtors and people in the business through Instagram and Facebook, because then my con- and even customers, because then my content shows up first for them. So like, just a little thing I like yes. to do, like comment on listings, and then they're going to see your um, Instagram and Facebook more. I like Instagram just because one, like, none of my family lives up here. Like my closest family is in North Carolina, or no, my aunt. My aunt does live in Albany. But that's how you stay in contact. Yeah, like I just like, and I follow like nature is brutal. Like even though it's messed up, like I like seeing like, you know, crocodiles eat buffalo and crazy stuff like that, and just like to realize how wild nature is. Um, and I like following. I follow a lot of golf stuff now. You got like every time you send me a page in the group, I always follow it. Yeah, like and well, if I go to my personal, I I follow two hundred and thirty two. So then, if you go here, it literally goes like least interactive. That's so with funny. Zyre Golf was the first. I just wanted shown. to open up Instagram and see what happens. So, mine's not that, but pretty close. So it's just some people I know. But like, if you go down to the follow, follow. Like the other thing too is I go through followers and I just take followers off. So I really try to keep my personal account like very very limited to people. Not because, like, I just, like, want it to be, like, a not very, like, very, like, personal where I can just, like... Well, you're very open about business, but I feel like you're more closed about your personal life. Yeah, well, it, it's... Like, you're I, not one of those people who, like, post your family on your business page. I never have. Yeah, no, you just keep like it. i a thousand posts. And, yeah. But if I go through, like, my people I'm following, a lot of it's, like, friends or people that I don't know from the workspace, maybe from the gym or from high school or from, like, I'll follow them there. And then you start going, like... What is it? Most least interacted with. So like my first, so you go down through and like this is 
I got a band. I got like a couple like politician, president people, Dunder Mifflin quotes, Rory McIlroy, Phil Mickelson, a couple things like a couple comics. Like, I mean, it's stuff that I'm like, I don't even really like, I haven't even followed those people. Why does it matter? Why do I even have them on there? So like I could go down through and just like, I did a big purge one day and got unfollowed everyone I didn't, didn't care about. Well, that's kind of what I want to do. But then some of them's like, ah, well, do I want to keep like Coldplay on there in case they announce a tour? Like, you know, like I have like all these like what ifs, like, like I follow Mark Zuckerberg, I follow USA Soccer, and I felt like, but I don't really care. Like, yeah, you know, I got rid not, of like everything that I don't care about. Like, like, I follow, I follow a few comedians who I think are funny, like Joey Diaz, um, not Tim Dillon. What's it? no? Yeah, just Tim. Tim Dillon. Dillon's hilarious. Yeah, like just a few things like that where it's always something that's going to brighten my day. I follow a ton of nature pages, and I like to follow uh, like, um, gangster pages. <laughs> I would call them like, like gangster rap. Like gangster videos, like of we're talking like Ice Cube. No, like, I'm talking like like robbery, like crazy Mexican robbery videos, oh or like crazy Thailand videos, or like people show up on motorcycles with guns, or like you could follow Russian pages, which have really crazy like mafia videos, where like you get to watch like legit shootouts and stuff like that. So you would follow you follow like entertainment stuff. Yeah, like my my bit my thing is like on most of these pages, I follow people. And my entertainment is like golf memes and barstool sports. But I'm also to the point where I follow a lot of investing pages too. Like I like, I like 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 real estate influencer pages just to get good ideas. Really, I, yeah. That's more my business side. But the thing is, when I talk, like I don't really follow stuff. And then randomly, I'll be like, oh, I haven't seen a post from that, and I'll click on it, and they're posting. I'm just not seeing it. And then I go down yeah. through and I'll look at a few of them and be like, okay, and I'm just kind of out. But if I uh, so that's always like the stuff that I'm like I contemplate like why do I follow like Dunder Mifflin stuff I love The Office I have that and I have golf and then Barstool Sports like I'll get clips that are like three minute clips I'm not watching them I'm yeah not, I, don't, I don't have time to sit down I, and watch I can't these. watch more than a fifteen second clip like I don't I can't watch long stuff on my phone I just don't like it it's it's like I've never like I don't have Netflix on my phone I've never watched a movie I never watch YouTube on my I never even watch YouTube really so so I'm so basically what you just said. YouTube is my like. Yeah, you love YouTube, right? Love YouTube. So my thing is, I very rarely watch TV. I watch stuff, but I don't like TV for me. When I say Ozark, like that was like during COVID. Like I had, like I had time. You I should watch, watch uh, Snowfall on Hulu. The ch- like, I, I'll be honest. The chances I watch that is like slim to none. Not because it's not a bad show. It's just I don't. I have a hard. T- I had a hard time getting through Ozark, and I had nothing to do but time to watch it. Yeah, and I was to the point where I'm like, man, I guess I'll watch another episode because I have like, but it wasn't even like I wanted to. I'm like, is there anything else to do? I'm like, well, not really. So, I I almost felt like it was a chore to get through it. YouTube though, for me, like my thing is like at night, like when I'm to the point where I'm just mentally fried and like you're just done. And like kids are to bed, I don't feel like doing anything. I'll get to bed at like nine nine thirty and I'll watch like a half hour of something on YouTube. I'll have videos saved yeah. and I'll go through and I'll just like watch. Five minute, three minute, fifteen minute, different video links, and on different stuff. It could be local stuff, like I've watched your like your YouTube page before. Yeah. It could be golf stuff. It could be investing stuff. It could be stuff on like I'll go in rabbit holes. Like there's an Elon Musk rabbit hole. There's a Mark Cuban rabbit yeah. hole. And then it was like going down golf rabbit holes. Then it was like okay, now I want to learn about this. And I like started um, following. Do you listen to podcasts and stuff when you drive? Yeah. I, yeah. I, so when I drive. Oh, let's talk Tesla, man. The best. How sick is it? 
the best. Not that you ever would do this, but like, can you self-drive it and answer emails and stuff? So I can self-drive. So I, I could upgrade to the, my, my, the, okay. So the Tesla I have. You got the broke boy one without the self-drive? Well, I had the capability. So the 2000, when the 2021s came out, they all came with the capability of doing it. There's an upcharge. The upcharge to self-driving is 10000 Yeah. It's not worth it. $10,000 to drop. Now, I have contemplated, does it make sense to self-drive in a Tesla knowing that I can just... Yeah, do your work, do emails. Like, literally, if I got to drive 20 minutes, that's 20 minutes of almost like office time that I can sit in a car, be driven. I always think you should just hire somebody for like 10 bucks an hour. To drive? Just be your driver. And just sit in the back seat and answer emails and make phone calls and make money. Because you make money on the phone. I've contemplated that. The problem... I've really thought of that about that. The the problem is I don't drive as much as I used to, partly because I've had I've been able to shift more towards the listing, listing agent, a little more to the listing <laughs> stuff. Yeah, a little more there. <laughs> so I'm not driving around showing property. At, I still do it. I mean, I still each yeah. week have showings, but it's not. I'm not as you're not like hungry. Like I got to show this guy. We got to we got to go on showings. You well, got listings, but, but I mean, in the, the like in real estate land, like you start as an agent starting out. You start out with anybody and anybody, anybody and everybody. Yeah, you'll, who wants to buy you'll a be home. a tire kicker. You'll waste your time. Have oh, I, yeah. everybody does it, and I did that. And then all of a sudden, you get better buyers, and then you might get a listing. Then you get buyers, better buyers, better buyers. It's the same listing. as mortgages, where like you start and you're like anybody. I don't care if you got a 400 credit score. Like, we'll we'll make it work. We'll get it. Yeah. And now I'm just like, I still, I still, I'll help anybody. Like, I'll have conversations with people where I know. It's going to be a real, real, real long road ahead for them to buy a home. I still give them the time of day. I'll still answer their calls. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I know what you mean where I'm going to, you know, you get a, you know, a $300,000 refi and, you know, these these people, they got a good job. They have a laptop at their home. When you send them a document request, they're going to send everything back labeled. And then you have people who aren't, um, you know, who are buying 100000s who aren't technically advanced and can't send you bank statements. Now there's anything wrong with that. There's a multitude of buyers, but you'd rather work with somebody like recently we've been helping a lot of my buddies from college because we're getting to that age, mm-hmm. um, buy places. And like my boss loves working with them. They're, they have, they have their tax returns saved on their phone. They know how to use Google drive and send us stuff. They can easily access their pay stubs where sometimes you have other people where it's like, oh, I don't, I don't keep my pay stubs. I got to go to HR and get them, and they're they're a little bit harder to deal with. But think about, like in our business, you have, if you, if I was to say, hey Matt, write down your ideal client in a nutshell, like what they would want. Like yeah. as you get more in the business and you start to find success, you start moving closer to that perfect client. So like for me, it's like in my head, I kind of know the people that I want to deal with. And if I, like, there's certain people I get them, like, slam dunk, good people, got, you know. Yeah, solid eat, income, solid job, easy well, to work with. Their expectation levels are on, are, are realistic. Reasonable. They're fun people. They're they're responsible. They're timely. You know, I do, because I, I do that on my end. I expect, like, or I expect, I would want that on the other side. So if you have that, it's a perfect marriage. Like, this is awesome. If all my clients are like that, which I'm slowly moving more towards that, um, that's where you want to go. So like you talked about the person that 500 credit score, I know is not going to buy for probably eight, a year to two years minimum. Those are the people like, Hey, I'm going to follow up, going to follow up, going to follow up. And I did, and I did, and I did. And I sold it to him two, three years later. I still have that like 
I still want to do that, but there's also a level of, okay, where's my time best Yeah, there's only 24 the hours in a day. Exactly. So if I can then, instead of working with a bunch of those buyers, start working with a couple of people that are listing, which is way better leverage for my yeah. time. And then all of a sudden, I can now give that to the newer agents. I mean, I, the amount of, like when I get a lead, depending on who they are, like a lot of it is if it was a referral, if it's a personal yeah, friend, I want to work yeah. with those people, you know, at a, you know, respect for whoever I'm dealing with. If there's some random internet lead that responds on a, a sign call, I'm giving like 90, yeah, you're giving it to somebody else plus percent of those away to, I don't even but that's probably, awesome because well, it's good. It's great it's, for the new agents to get experience. Yeah, but like back in the day, I would have killed for that, but then it gets to a point where natural progression, you yeah. work hard to get to that level where it's like, you know what now my thing is I want to work as hard because I want those because then I want to make the agents that are coming on to life easier than I had it when I started. And that's like my dad know. used to do that in plumbing where when he used to work seven days a week, it could have been Christmas Eve and your toilet goes and he's like, I'll be there in 20 minutes. No matter. Mm-hmm. But in his later years, like, you know, we we're done at two thirty on Friday. He's not taking, you know, he's not doing, he's like, sorry. As he should, you know? Yeah. He's like, I'm not the plumber for that. Call, call this guy. And there's other people where his his good friend he would take it because he has three trucks, mm-hmm. so he has he's not necessarily the one who's gonna go knee deep in that shit. One of his new guys is gonna and sort of earn his stripes that way. And that's and again, it's natural progression of, of like lifetime. So yeah. like, and it, like you said, if there's certain things that like I'm I'm one if I'm well, we're in a volume. But most people know this, but like our business. You know, you get paid more if it's a million dollar deal versus a two hundred thousand dollar deal. Yeah, and and a million dollar client is, you know, maybe they're not better people, but they're going to be an easier client. If easier you're in a job where you're advanced in if, tech, you're if you sell a house that's three, four, five, six hundred, that deal is going to go most of the time smoother than an eighty thousand dollar deal. Yeah, I get, and the thing is, I get paid more. There's less hassle. There's less stress. They're easy to deal with. Easier to deal with, and it's not like you said. It's not. You don't person to person. You want to help everybody out, but it's like if you really had to pick, like that's where everybody gravitates towards because it's like it's easier, it's less stressful, it's quicker, it's timely. Like all the benefits. That you and can good get. people refer good people. Yeah, and then you start getting like yeah, exactly. And that's it's engineers are friends with other engineers. Pizza drivers are friends with other pizza drivers. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and the thing is, if you if but it's it's it like I and I still have the mindset. This is my 11th year. I still have the mindset of like a, the first couple of years. Where You're I'm a hustler. Like, yeah. You but keep... it's like I want every – because the thing is it's even if I know I may not work with you directly on every step of the way, I still can be – account. I can, still can be a voice of you know information for you. And then I can sit there and help a Courtney or a Hannah who's starting out or an Isaac that these guys are coming in. And I'm like, you know what? One of the hardest things for agents – the first couple of years to just stay alive in the business. I want to make it where I can offer my expertise to people that want to work with us. Well, one thing I know you do is you invest in your people and you actually train them and actually teach them and really are trying to build a self-propelling business. Like I know like you have yes. trainings, you do stuff for your agents. You yep. like a new agent comes on, they're probably going to get a deal or two from big Papa because you're spreading the love out. Whereas other brokerages, it seems like you're just like thrown to the wolves and it's like, good luck, buddy. Well, well think of, so this is the other thing too, is if, if you're an agent that comes on and I've had this conversation with some younger agents, it's the idea that I, some brokerages will, I call it give a fish, learn how to fish, get, uh, get given a fish, I guess the, the, the analogy, 
But if you're coming in the real estate and you're just looking for, you know, put your hand out and say, well, I am now licensed, give me business. Well, that's not really how this industry works. Um, maybe if there's a ton of leads, but granted, like we're in a market now, you don't get as many leads because there's not as many homes for sale. Back in the day, 2010, 11, 12, ton of leads, ton of homes out there. People could call on stuff. Not everyone wanted to buy it, but it was one of those deals where you always had like, you weren't going to have a hard time getting leads. Now it's like the leads are a little bit far, harder to get. But if you want to be a successful agent, if you just show up day one and say, because I have my license, just start giving me business and then I'm just going to, you know, close this deal. It's not like that. You have to learn how to, you have to learn how to be good at real estate. It's very easy to get in real estate. It's very hard to make a complete living and have a longevity in real estate because it could chew you up and spit you out. And the better agents and what I try to teach, um, new agents coming on is how to be like a hunter, not a gatherer. Like a gatherer just kind of sits back, lets things like happen. If you're doing that, you're not going to have a long career in real estate. If you're someone that goes out and proactively tries to get business, proactively tries to build relationships, proactively tries to get your name out there, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, you're learning how to fish. You're learning how to go out and be productive and learn how to grow your business. That's where you really start to shine. So when I look at agents and, you know, you can kind of see this, you can see maybe a new agent that came on and was hand fed a bunch of deals from the broker. And all of a sudden, year two, year three, year four, year five, they've like flatlined. They've never grown from that position. Then you kind of look at is are they someone that's able to grow? And there's a few agents out in our local market that I can look at and say, you know what? They started from here and each year they've grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. And it's like, that's not, those are the agents. I'm like, they get it. They get out that you have to go out and you have to, um, you have to go out and generate the business. You have to be the one to, you know, kind of be your own advocate and because we talked about this, like this is my favorite quote my buddy just told me he's like bro sales is you kill what you eat baby like you can make 500 grand one year and then next year it don't matter you got to go out there and well, get it every day yeah and that's the thing if you're like resting your laurels and you're like yeah i'm just gonna like people know me and it's like you're gonna get some of that but like if i just stopped trying to build relationships if i just stopped trying to get business I'm going to start, I say flatline. I'm going to dip. I'm not going to yeah. flatline. I'm going to start dropping. If, if you grew up in a town and you're a real estate agent, you know, yeah, your friends are going to buy from you. But if you're not asking for referrals, if you're not, if you don't do a good job, if you're showing up late to every appointment and smell like booze or something, they're not going to send their friends to you. But you come up here, you hustle, you make relationships. Like, you know, I came up, I didn't grow up with nobody around here. I don't have any. Yeah. I don't have my, oh, yeah, that's my baseball coach or that's my, like, that's my good friend growing up. I don't have any of that. And, like, I came up here. I had to make a name for myself. I had to go into ADKYP. I had to. And now, I mean, I'm the co-host of the biggest charity golf classic in Clinton, Essex, Franklin County. Well, that, and, and I mean, a lot of that, like, we take, if you take that kind of stuff, I love you put all three counties. If, if you take, if you take that stuff, though, you got to think, like, that's part of what, like take that take the golf tournament like could we have started that golf tournament and had the pop that we had if we did it in 2014 no nobody knew who we were it was like the the thought was the right place but yeah there's a there's a level of you know what people at least know who we are now people mad people asked to play and i'm like yo well and that's you might play and that's well that's we got it we got invite only baby that's that's what it is basically and it's not to be like douchebags about it but it's the idea that like you, only you can have only so have so spots. many people yeah and you don't want to change it to a scramble so like scramble meaning get teams and like every golf tournament all year long is the same format this is the only one that's Scr different yeah and but it's 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 one where we can now take 
leverage and name and reputation a step further and give back to the community in sense of like one it's fun it's a fun day but two you raise a lot of money and like the idea is that should we try and hit well, we hit five last year right we hit five i think our goal i I, we're we're still kind of crunching numbers because we're about four five. I think we're about five months out right now. From and we it. didn't really get big donations. Like most of them were small donations from small. a lot of people, right? Yeah, it was it was like we got, we had two big donations, and then we had two big donations. We had quarter uh, staffing was a, a sponsor, but if you start if you go beyond that, most donations besides the player fees were like. 20, 50, 100. Yeah. You got it, which is great. You know, you had like a lot of people co- committing and doing stuff. So, um, but you start taking like, again, we talked about like building up from a, you know, new agent. And then all of a sudden now it's like, okay, we're, we have a little bit more name recognition locally. We have more relationships. We have people yeah. that we've built the reputation or built that they're like, you know what? Those guys are behind it or they're trying to do something. I'm going to support them because they're either my friends or I think they're good people doing it for the right reasons. Not like, who are these guys? We can like, go to business after hours and we know like 90% of the people. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, I used to remember, actually I met you at this, was the 80 KYP over at the Oval when the brew, uh, when Oval it first brewing. opened. They first opened. This was probably, probably 2016, I think. Yeah. 2016. I had Not never, Oval, Valcor. No, oh, it was it's oval? oval. It's that Oval Brewing. It was at the, the right, right at the huh. the one on the Oval. It wasn't Valcor. It was Oval Brewing. They had just opened, so whenever Oval Brewing opened, I think it was sixteen. And I remember going first time I'd ever been eighty KYP. Never went. It, it's so funny when you think about. It. So the person getting giving um, taking the door donations was Meg Lefave at the time. Yep. And I want to say Jared Burns was the president. Probably. And I didn't know Jared. Now I'm really good friends with Jared. I didn't know Jared, who Jared was. And I remember Steve LeBombard was there. I didn't know you. I think I knew of you because you used to do the dog videos. Yeah. And uh, I want to say, God, I'm trying to even think. Well, who, you knew Ryan Lee, right? Ryan would have been there. Yep. Ryan would have been there, but it was a very limited crowd. So like you kind of go, you don't know anybody. So it's like, well, I'm just going to mingle with the two or three people I know. And I think I met you that day and you had like, I think you had the dog, the bow of the dog. Yeah. Where's Bo Wednesday? Yeah. Which was great. Yeah, and bring that back. Yeah. That was fantastic. Cause I knew about it before I met you. So it was kind of like an icebreaker where I'm like, I, I kind of know that guy. Dude, I love nothing more than when I'm like grabbing a slice of pizza or something. And they're like, Aren't you that mortgage guy? Yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah, that's marketing, baby. Yeah. It makes me so pumped. That And you got to think any, because that's happened to me before where, um, it was funny. I was, when we had our kids, when we went to the hospital, every single kid I had, it was the most crazy, the last kid we had. I think I had four or five nurses say something to me about real estate that came in the check. Like, aren't you, you're in real estate. Oh, you sold my friend's home. You sold my mom's home. I'm like, Oh, okay. And like you talked to him, but and it, I mean, once I tell you the name, you know who it is, yeah. but like, um, but yeah, so you're like, it's funny. It's like, like you start, but that's the thing. Like you put your name out there, you start putting stuff out. People recognize you. You definitely got to be success. outgoing in real estate. That's a very valuable skill in real estate. It is, but like we have, you know, I've seen it before. We have one agent. She came on. She was the most outgoing and would sit and would tell you, she's like, that's not my thing. Still really isn't her thing, but she's done fantastic. You know, like. So people, but you have your niche. Like some people are very, like I, I am more extroverted now than I've ever been, but I've never been a huge extrovert. I'm still very, I would say I feel more introverted than I am extroverted, Yeah. but I can, 
I can deal with people where if there's a day where I talk to people all day long and I get home, my, like my first thing is I don't want to talk to anybody. Like oh, my wife and kids. Yeah. But like if I get home and like somebody stops over to visit or like, Hey, we got to go to this thing. I'm like, I just, I literally just want to go crash at home. It's yeah. just like, just, that's why I like my weekends. You're kind of the same as me. Like weekends, I, I try to stay around the house, man. I don't try yeah. to leave. I I'm don't just, try to f- I'm just farm work all weekend. Like I, nobody ever sees me on the weekend besides my neighbor's bar up the street. Yeah. And it, but I think, and there's sometimes I have to go out on weekends, but like if I had a, like there's days where I'm like, if I can get home at like four five, six o'clock on a Friday evening and leave like seven, eight, seven o'clock on like a Monday morning. Perfect. Best weekends ever. Yeah. I, I, I will say two days at the house, make coffee, play with the kids, see my wife, maybe get some takeout, like watch yeah, a movie. Yeah, just vibe out. Yeah. And that's, to me, like it's just the mental break that I need. So then Monday I'm like jacked up to go back to work. Mm-hmm. So it's like such a good balance. Um, I try. I mean, I, I've been doing better at it, um, but it's, man, it's so nice when I get like just weekends like. I love family, it when man. I have a weekend where I don't have to go get grain or do like absolutely anything except like stuff that I want to do on the farm. Yeah. Cause a lot of the time it's like, I don't want to go buy like a thousand pounds of grain or like, I don't, I don't want to go like lift 70 hay bales and then unload 70 hay bales and put them up in the loft and do like work. Like some stuff I like, like I love doing like planting and planting trees and like gardening. But like when it's like the bitch work, it's like, fuck. Well, well so one of my favorite things to do, oddly enough, is like on weekends, it's just to like, I want to say clean, but it's like declutter and throw mm-hmm. stuff out. Yeah. Like if I'm like, there's a pot, there's like that, that catch-all pile. Like, like even like there's sometimes I'll come in here like on a Sunday morning early and do work. And then sometimes I come on a Sunday morning, like, you know what? I'm just going to organize my life. Like I'm going to organize anything on my desk, anything that I haven't gotten to, you it's know, a great stuff in my emails. Do. Like I just want to purge through stuff. Get rid of stuff. I mean, like I have a one of my friends. He told me about this, uh, a Sunday folder, where basically it's like if you know you're not going to handle this during the week, because we all have the emails that like oh, I'm going to check on it. You never check on it. Yeah. So to get it out of his inbox, he just punts it to a Sunday folder. So for me, that's like stuff I want to re- I want to look at, but I'm not going to. I don't have time today, nor am I in the headspace. I want to like read through these articles. You got me into this where I now, whenever I have like something to do, I email myself. So, like, my oh. business email is, like, my main, like, it'll be everything. Like, pay the frontier bill. Um, don't forget to pay health insurance. Um, like, if I get bills to my Gmail account, send it to that account. And another thing you taught me is, like, now, like, I get up, start doing my day at, like, 7 or whatever. I go log into my email and sort of get my day set while I'm drinking coffee, hanging out at home, and then go into work later and, like, have have all that to do, basically. Well, and that's... Yeah, setting a plan up front. Like I try to wake up early and try to go like do all my stuff early and, and get kind of a start to the day. But like the best thing for me is cleaning my inbox out makes me feel better. Yeah. When I look and I have like 15 items there, I'm like, I really try at the end of the day to get the zero. I would say it's usually under five per day. Um, and some of them are just punted to the weekend. And then sometimes I don't get to it on the weekend. So then all of a sudden, I, like the other day, I had like 130 emails of stuff either messaged to myself or sent in. So I'm like, okay, how do I get through all this? So I basically filter through, punted a bunch of stuff. I'm like, you know what? One, I don't care about it anymore. Two, I glance at it quickly and file it somewhere or delete it. And then there's some that I'm like, okay, I don't have time. I'll get to that. And there's some that I'm like, you know what? I really have to check on that to, like this week. And yeah. I'll put it back in my inbox knowing that like Sunday or Monday, just go through like those those things that are not – it's not super pressing, but they've been there long enough where I'm like, I should have already done that Yeah, right get now. it done. So – 
that's kind of my system. I would like to get to the point where my Sunday folder is like under 10. Like throughout the week, I delete most of it and really only keep the important stuff. But a lot of the times, it's just it's an article of something I want to read. And I'm like, you know what? I don't have the five to 10 minutes it takes to read that article. And like, I don't want to read it at night. I don't want to read it in the morning. So yeah. I just punt it. And then like, if I come here, coffee, some music, filter through, read it, get about halfway through, can just chuck it or skim it. Be like, ah, this is good information. Let's save it. Um, but that's, it's kind of like the weekends, like decluttering for me. It's like going through, cleaning the garage out, cleaning the cabinets out, cleaning the countertops, clean cleaning my, my bedroom out. so like, bad. My workshop's a mess right now. But, you just, like, but think about, like, the, so the other day, we, the other day, this was today, Tuesday. So this weekend, the countertop, I'm like, you know what? There's just so much crap on the countertop. And it's like just annoying. And I'm like, and a lot of it's like some of the stuff like from the kids would just pile up or some like extra food things will pile up. Yeah. I see food like candy and stuff. I'm like, why is this all just sitting here? So I spent a lot of time on Sunday just going through. So now our countertops for the most part are like 40% span, of what they used to be. So just like, like I like just clean. I don't like clutteredness. Like even the table, like some of the stuff is like, what doesn't need to be like, this doesn't need, this doesn't need to be on the table. Like what can I get off this I feel table? Like you should only have it. Don't you usually have two people on the podcast? I do, but it's pain in the ass to keep. Like, oh, I guess it's confusing up. to. Yeah, well, it it's like I can, like I can take the arms down, but then it's like the mics, and then if I know, like I'd rather have like if someone's coming on because it doesn't like. Besides, you should do something because I don't care. I know you, but just like you should have it where like the headphone is hung up on it and it's all wrapped up like out of the way because it doesn't bother me because I'm like used to clutter. But you know, yeah. some people are OCD. Yeah, I mean it does. I mean, I, I have some people that would say I'm OCD. Some people say like I don't care. I'm not. I'm not OCD in the sense of like I gotta like touch stuff and I gotta make sure things are even. Yeah. Like I like you just like it cleanly. I like clean. I like minimal because if I part of it is if too much stuff it distracts me. It's not like I don't care if this is here. I don't care if that's there. That could be there the whole podcast. Like physically, it does not bother me. But the idea that's like I look at like what's like what's in this box and then you like like so yeah. if I'm doing trying to do work. My favorite time to do work is like a clean desk and I have like the couple, a, a I have list like my computer, exactly a pen, do. a pat, piece, piece of paper and something I'm reading. Like I want the bare minimum on it so I can get through stuff versus. You just remind me to just email myself quick something I got to do. That's fine. Like I screenshot stuff. Like if you, like the thing with clients, like if clients text me and I'm like on the road or at an appointment, I'll respond. I'll screenshot that conversation, email myself. Later that day or that night or the next morning, whenever I will do what I said I was going to do, because part of it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that, and they never do. Like my thing is, like if you ask me a question, I would answer you, screenshot, so I respond That's to what, you. Yeah, like clients will always text me, like, oh Matt, what's the payment on one two three four Street? Screenshot, send to my email, and then you know Monday morning or depends. I've been doing some work on the weekends now because the market's so hot, but it's not my favorite thing. But, but if you like, so if you look at it and I'm trying to think, I have, I have a couple emails that I had from last night, like evening again, eight o'clock at night. Don't really want to do it just because I'm like at that point getting the kid, the kids are just down or whatever. And I'm getting like, nobody's gonna do anything at nine o'clock at night. So yeah. I punt it, do it in the morning, but I'll be like, yeah, yeah. I'll take care of that screenshot email next morning. Do I it, love the screenshot email myself, dude. That's such it, a time saver all the time. And now like, well, you're a different phone, but like iPhone, you click it, it'll pop up and you can you click it and then delete the screenshot. You don't even have to keep it. Oh. So it's like, it's fast. So I do all the time, especially with Nick. Like when she's here, I bet you if I asked Nick how many screenshots I sent her in a day, either by via email or phone. Probably like 25. Oh, at least. Yeah. I would probably say that. 
And it, it might be one where I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. And she could be like, no, nah, it's more than that. Like, yeah. cause like every conversation, if someone emails me and there's times like I'll get a voicemail, I'll listen to the voicemail and then I'll just, or sometimes I don't even listen to a voicemail, like if an agent or like someone texts, like I know who it is, I'll just forward her the voicemail and just say, if it's something I need to do, I'll call them. But yeah. a lot of times, like I don't want to sit there and like even listen to a, a one minute, th- 30 second, 45 second voicemail. Cause most of the time it's stuff that she's going to have to do anyways. Yeah. Um, so I kind of do that or, you know, Hey, can I see this property? Yeah, sure. When are you available? Screenshot it, send it to her. She reaches out, schedules the whole thing. So it's like, it, yeah, you're very good at that. Like you like, I'm like, Hey, you want to get lunch? And then Nick emails me like, Hey, Tuesday, the 23rd is open at noon. Yeah. And I'm like, but well, you're no like I've seen your phone, dude. That you like to stick to your schedule and stuff. Like you're you're about that life. But it, it, and you gotta not, be. Well, it's like even podcasts. Like I kind of she scheduled a lot of my podcasts. Like I'll reach out to people. Like usually I like to reach out to them because like kind of a personal thing. Like hey, do you want to come on? And all of a sudden they'll respond to me and like the email will be gone. I'm like what? So all of a sudden then I look like and I don't even I totally forget about it and I'll like go out to like tomorrow or <laughs> next week or the week after to schedule stuff. I'm like. Oh, I got a podcast Monday with this person. I didn't even mm-hmm. know about. It. Like, she just coordinated. I'm like, perfect, whatever. It's in my day, and I'll just wake up that the night before, check my schedule. I'm like, oh, I got a podcast tomorrow with Matt Craig, and just go with roll with it. So, um, it's just it's time for me. That's the big thing. Well, it's in like, real estate too, like it's not like you know you work at a factory. They're like, all right, nine a.m. to twelve, you're gonna be on machine A, and then you're on machine B. But real estate, you can nobody's telling you what to do. You can do whatever you want ever. all day. So yeah. you gotta. You have to be organized and detail-oriented. Well, you said, after like, after that 5 o'clock, I still get people all day long. Like, mm-hmm. I know tonight I'm going to talk to a client probably around 9 o'clock tonight. Like, we've already, yeah. put, we've already scheduled it. Like, hey, I'll reach out just based on our times, um, which I love it. I love doing that because then I can do a podcast with you right now. And then I can, if I want to, you know, go on vacation, I'll have to ask anybody. Or, or if I, the other thing, which is awesome, is like, if I, well, it's not awesome being sick, but like, if for some reason I don't feel good that day. I can stay it's home. All good, yeah. I can just make a couple changes to my calendar. Hey, can we reschedule? I don't feel good. Blah blah blah. And I don't have to ask somebody or get doc time off. I can just stay home and sleep because, like, to me, if I don't feel good, I'm punting the day. I'm sleeping, so I feel good the next day. Yeah. I don't want to keep dragging it out. So all of a sudden, it's days long. It's like, hey, you don't feel good. Let's just nip it in the bud now. Dude, I've been on a crazy day. vitamin binge since COVID. What kind? I take. I just went over it with my doctor. So my morning. I take vitamin. So backstory, um, I gave Sarah COVID. Sarah doesn't go anywhere. She had COVID. Mm-hmm. I didn't even recently. Yeah, well, not like it's probably been like two months now. Did you get it? I think so. I didn't have any symptoms, any signs, but Sarah had the classic COVID symptoms. Yeah, I, I got it. Like, did she go get tested and get like? Nah. Well, we just we just like can't smell, can't taste. Like, oh, like yeah. she she had COVID. Yeah, and um. I've been taking, so this is all from different Joe Rogan episodes, um, vitamin D, bunch of vitamin D. vitamin D. Dude, <laughs> it, it, my life has improved since I've been taking all these vitamins. Vitamin D, I take quercetin. What's um, that? I don't know. It's just good for COVID. It's Q-U-E-C-R-T-I-N. Wait, Q-U-E-C-E-R-T-I-N, like quercetin. It's supposed to be good for your heart. Okay. Um, I heard iron and zinc. Yeah, iron and zinc. I take uh, ZMA at night. Um, it's a natural testosterone booster. I used to, t- and this is all too, like I used to be super healthy from martial arts. So I took some of the stuff from that calcium, magnesium, zinc in the morning. Um, I take this little elderberry syrup pill that I just like got at the store. I take vitamin B complex. I take what else? What I do is I have a big morning and night pill 
like the pill divider thing. So mm-hmm. that makes it way easier than taking them every morning. Um, a multivitamin, obviously. What else? Do you find that works? Yeah. Dude, I didn't, I didn't show any COVID signs. Like, no, nothing. Like part, I was a little tired for the week. Like, part of me is I want to... I used to, as a kid, take, like, a vitamin. Like, every day I took a vitamin. My mom always gave us a vitamin. And... Magnesium is another one, too. It's like a... Uh, it's a supplement called Calm, where it's just, like, a little gummy. You take them at night, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be, like... I guess magnesium regulates your stress level somehow. Okay, so... Yeah, so my, my thing is, like, if I... I'm looking at the stuff, like, most of the things I get, like, if I'm eating really well, I get a lot of that stuff just through food. Like, you eat fruits, vegetables, meats, you know, a lot of good stuff. Like, but vitamin D, I don't ever go out in the sun. We live up here. We live in a really bad, sunny, like, yeah. non-sun climate. So, I want, like, because there's, like, when I go down to Florida and I see these people that are in Florida and they're like, oh, my God, how, how old are you? I'm guessing, like, late 60s. They're like, I'm 85. I'm like... You're 85. I love those people. But but they're out in the sun, which makes them active. And they're playing golf. They, they every go outdoors. Day. They they're golf. They play pickleball. Going they play on tennis. Walks. They yeah, and like they go bike rides. Like they just look vibrant, and their skin looks great. I mean, not the ones that like you know, but not it's not like you're not talking about. When you, sit I love it sun. when you see like a 65 year old guy with a six pack and perfect teeth. I yeah. love those fuckers. But they're, but they're like they're tan, but they're they don't look burnt. It's not like they're like getting mm-hmm. sun. Like not they're not laying out and getting like leather. But I'm saying you get these people that just look young and vibrant but they're outdoors every day like i go out to florida and I just feel better like i can't take the, the, the warm temperature year round but yeah it's the idea like you know i i think i gotta start looking i try to get most of my vitamins through food but there's some i know that i don't get enough of so i gotta like start bumping that up um yeah. vitamin d is one of the ones i was like looking at that i think i should start pushing in i want to do a little bit of research on i actually talked to ellie the other day which is why i got my would you call it the marijuana? Yeah, my yeah. little your herbal term, teas. My herbal teas. Do you have that um, little ball that you drop yeah. in the tea? Yeah, yeah. Dude, those are good. It was. It's like a clamp. Yep. It's a clamp. You just stick it in. Yeah. So we have that. And actually, uh, Gina has one. She used to drink a lot, which is weird. I've never seen her. Very rarely do I see her drink tea. And she had like a bunch of tea when we first got together. So she, we have this. Um, it's a tea vana cup. It's a clear cup. And you have this little basket that gets set over it. You put all the stuff in the basket. Mm-hmm. You pour it over and you just put the cover on it so it steeps it. And you just let the water go, and basically it's like a, it's like a drip of coffee. It goes through all the stuff, goes out, and then it's there. And then as you get a lot of water, it just kind of steeps. And think of like a, think of like a shark cage. Yeah. You know, when you go in the water, and you're like in the cage, and shark can't get you. It's kind of the same thing. They're in the water. Yeah, the tea can't get your mouth. Yeah. Well, no, but you don't even drink. You just let it sit. Yeah. And just let it steep. And then once you're done, you just pull the thing out, which pulls. You just pulls all the all the uh, whatever the little teas ingredients tea out. Well, tea leaves, but like all the extra stuff. Yeah. Like, because you go a lot of those, like tea bond, a lot of it, you look at it, it's not like loose tea. It's like loose tea, like chunks of ginger, little like herbs of, and spices and stuff. Exactly. So that pulls out, you can dump, just dump it out, and then you have your tea there. And it's fantastic. Um, I, I like it when it has loose leaf tea is the best. Like, instead of a tea bag, I grew up with like tea bags for, you know, that's kind of how you did it, like the Earl Grey teas, there's breakfast teas, but mm-hmm. I really like loose leaf. It's, it tastes better. Oh, it's better. I only do. Fresh ground, co- well, not fresh. Well, no, pretty fresh. I mean, I grind it like once a week, but I go to Aldi's and get a uh, whole bean, mm-hmm. whole bean organic. They have like great coffee there, and I only use a French press. I don't trust, uh, I don't trust so, Keurigs. I think those are cancer. I hate Keurigs. Just I, well, I don't know, dude. Putting boiling water through multiple layers of plastic and so and we, tin foil doesn't seem have, safe. We have a we have a Keurig here in the office purely because. 
Well, you got to have a Keurig hey man, in the coffee. Do you want a coffee? Yeah. Go get one cup. At home, I don't own a Keurig. I will never own a Keurig. I, it, if I go to a house and they have a Keurig, I think it tastes terrible. It um, gives me the worst heartburn, dude. My mom. Does it, it just it doesn't taste good. From a coffee perspective, it's just like a cheap. It's like cheap. cheap Are you coffee. French press or tr- pour over? Um, I've never poured over. I would love to. I'm French press, or I'll be honest. I've been on a huge um, drip coffee kick because if you make it, if you make it correctly and you have the right, the right like uh, a drip coffee is like a regular like black coffee the, maker, right? Yep, exactly. So what happened was a couple, couple months ago, and a little over a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, my my. Uh, my uh what's it called my grinder broke like the the bearing in the bottom of it just mm-hmm. came loose and there was no way it could tighten it It just came on and now i've had this thing since like high school so this has given me like 12 years of usage yeah so the problem was with this thing it was like uh she got the coffee it's got a blade the blade spins it's just a rotating blade not very very inconsistent the, like you could get some small you get like hmm. and all of a sudden if you but you grind it up so all the beans are chopped I literally got like a $4 one at Walmart in college and I still have it. The only annoying thing is the cord's only like eight inches. So I have to like hold it on the outlet to use it. But you press it. it down and then it goes like. Yeah, you press the top and it goes. Whoo. But it just rotates. So, so I had that. And what happened was if I finished the coffee, I could take it and sift it. And you'd see all these tall ones go to the top. So it was never consistent. So you'd always have like half beans at the top. Yeah. And then the rest of it would be very fine. Super ground. Yeah. So it's like crap. You got like such a mixture. In coffee, you really want a consistency. So. And I didn't want to buy a grinder because I'm kind of like, I'm pretty... Minimalistic. I'm cheap when it... I'm not cheap. I'm, I'm like, I spend money on stuff that I think is investment purposes. If I think that it's something and I'm like, God, do I really need that? I won't buy it. And to me, I'm like, do I really need the grinder? So I'm like, I don't. Grinder broke. Perfect. Now I'm going to splurge. I bought this really nice grinder that you drop the beans in the top. You start the blade. It starts going. You drop the beans. But it goes, it grinds it like this, but then it has like... You can actually adjust the grind. So if you want coarse French press, you want finer, like kind of espresso drip. And what happens, it goes down through and the consistency is phenomenal. It's the same. All, and it's a so it only drops it through once it's ground to that consistency. Correct. So it drops it in. So it has like a gauge where it can only let through. What's, yeah. So it keeps spinning in it like a however ah, it works. That's cool. But it's super, super consistent. And then I ended up buying a drip coffee maker. I used to have the old like Black & Decker, cheap one I bought at like yeah. Walmart or something back again in high school. Used it. It's not broken. I actually just bought the guy a new grinder, but I'm getting a new coffee. So this one, very minimal, minimal style. There's no programmable thing on it. So what happens is you put water in, you put the coffee beans in. Now, the cool thing is, number one, it shoots out the water in kind of like a... A spick or a spray, yeah, not a different drip. spots. So it hits all over, so it's consistent. So you're not just dropping it through the same spot like a normal drip coffee. So it goes through everything, gets all the water down, and it kind of just filters it down at the end. Number two, it heats the water up to about 200 degrees Fahrenheit. You don't want it boiling; you want it slightly under. Yeah. But because of the temperature of it, it brings out whatever the bean, the, the, it, the flavor. Of it the does bean. a big difference. Huge difference, and that's why when you go to like something like a Starbucks, like. Starbucks, I love Starbucks coffee purely because, I mean, part of it is because they do, they're doing they it have right. a strong roast and they do it the, like I would deem the right way for the taste so, I like. So the best way for me to do coffee, French press, grind it that day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one, of the, like my mom got me into them. It's like a little tabletop boiler where it's like in England, everybody has it. Never saw it once in my life till England or Ireland. Like a, like a uh, warmer? No, but like uh like a pot that you just is plugged into the wall electric and you just press a button and then it boils it. Okay. And so you do that, it boils 
the thing turns off like you just hear a little click and then you let it um you wait like five ten seconds so it's not boiling water it's just super hot water okay like you wait for the bubbles to stop let's say your french press is i don't know what you say like eight inches you put like two, two inches of water three inches of water stir it for like five seconds and it does something like you'll see it like bubble up and it like oxygenizes the coffee or some weird thing and then you fill it up and then you got to do it six minutes exactly okay so so this uh, i'll tell you the one i it's french press but um same thing I, i'm a whole bean guy i grind it yeah i grind my got my beans at night purely because i don't want to wake the kids up weekends i typically will grind them in the I morning i just grind like a big thing like a mason see jar. I, I always do it the night of or the night before, just so I don't wake anybody. In a perfect world, I would grind it right before I'm making yeah. coffee. But respectful to not waking up all my kids. So um, so what I do, depending on how much I want, this this is my basic, like, fill up a Yeti if I wanted to leave the house or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this f- fills up, like, basically, what is this, a 20-ounce Yeti, something like that. 35 grams of coffee. I, I, I weigh measure. I was just about to be like, my boy measures it. Oh, He's serious. I weigh, I weigh measure. They, like it's Yeah, it's a science. I, I very rarely... I eyeball if I don't have my stuff. So if I'm traveling down in Florida, as at my in-laws, he has actually a really nice pot too. Um, so I just eyeball that one. But So 35 grams of coffee, 560 grams of water. So I use a 1 to 16 ratio, which is you can pretty much use consistently. It's a very strong ratio. So what happens is you pour the water, you boil it. I try to... I boil it till it starts steaming, so you're not boiling. I just pull it off for a little bit, not long, probably like a minute. Let it kind of temperature drop slightly. Then what happens is I pour it. So you put the grinds in. You got to pour it like around it, not pour, just. Pour yeah. it around it. And I usually just pour a little bit in and just let it sit for like 20 seconds. Just kind of let the, you know, I think you let like the. It like bubbles or something, right? It bubbles a bit, but you let like kind of the, the, the gases or whatever come up. So I let it go for a little bit. Then I pour the rest of it till I hit whatever my numbers are. So if weekends, I usually make more. So I'll just increase the ratio, but get it up to a certain level. Then I stir it. So I stir it to just make sure I move the grinds around a bit. Then I cap it and I, go, I let it go four minutes. And then on the press, I just use a slow controlled press down. So I don't yeah. just jam it down. I just like nice, slow, yeah, steady. Yeah, five, ten count. Exactly. And then usually before I do that, I take the excess water and I put it in my mug or my Yeti. To, to heat it up the yeti's not that big of a deal because you got to think if this is like a cold if it's cold in the inside yeah it's like i try to keep it hot especially if you have a mug you pull a mug out of the out of the it's typically kind of cool so you kind of pour hot water in which warms up the actual mug when it's done i dump the hot boiling water out and then i put so how do you boil in. your water just on the stove top dude you gotta you gotta get one of these then i'll, I'll look at it but i just i stove top i'm gonna send you what it is it's so much faster than stove top is it like convection i don't know because you know when you got like convection stove it boils like in seconds water boils. that's incredible the convection ovens are absolutely insane i'd absolutely love one i'll just send it right to nicoletta to order there you go <laughs> but yeah all right um but that's that's the French press in a nutshell. I literally leave it as like a Google. Have you ever taken uh, Alpha Brain? No. You should try it. Joe Rogan Alpha Brain. What yes. what is that again? Um, it's just a neurotropic. It just like gives you better memory and focus. I do it when I have a really long day. Like I'll take it at like seven or eight in the morning, and it's great. Is it kind of like a pre workout? No, you don't feel cracked out at all. No, it's just like energy and focus. Like I took one this morning. I was outside at like seven a.m. I did. You're just like ton of stuff. Yeah, but like. Not cracked out because I've done Adderall, I've done Modafinil, I've done a bunch of different neurotropics, and this one is 
Well, besides I, modafinil, this one's pretty awesome. I think the so some of my best, you know, when you like for me, I'm a headspace guy. Like if you're like do do some work now, I can do work. It's like a lot of the stuffs like go through the motions. If I'm sitting there really focused on, hey, I got to do this project or I got to really like dive deep and understand this, I like. One, I like not to be around people, meaning I like to like come in here. I, I like four hours minimum. I know it's crazy, but like I'll come in for like 6 a.m. and work till 10 and like phone off or, or like maybe on but not really checking it. Yeah. And sometime, sometimes I'll put a podcast on, but a lot of times if I'm thinking, I take podcasts out. I don't do podcasts and, when I'm thinking. And I'll put music on. And I usually put like a Dave Matthews, OAR. I put something. Listen light. to Vitamin String Quartet. Is it just music? It's, it's just it's a string quartet, so it's like pop, but they'll do like popular songs. Like they'll do like but no singing, just no like, singing. Just it's really so, good. Well, I'll, I like putting stuff on that's like white noise to me. So Dave Dispatch, like Jack Johnson, OAR. When I'm in the zone, I can't listen to anything with words. Unless like I, if I'm working out, I can listen like, to rap. But if I'm trying to like think for a project, I, but for me, if I can turn it down low, so like enough where you can like you can you know can just it's barely on, hear it. But yeah. it's like it's almost like white noise. And the thing is, I've heard those songs a thousand times, so it's like when then I just go, I'm not thinking about the words. And to me, it's just subliminally in my head. But I start using coffee, and I start going like that. But there's also the flip side is sometimes at night if I'm like feeling like kind of like you know froggy and think I can do stuff. Usually, like I like to get like a buzz, glass of wine could be just like depending on. I'm not a big whiskey guy, but like sometimes I'll do some kind of like. You know, on the rocks thing, you sip at it. Yeah. Um, what kind of wine you been drinking? I like my fa- my favorite's a dry red. My all time favorite's dry red. But I mean, but like what brands and companies and stuff? I don't really have a. I don't really have anything that's... I've been drinking Apothic Red Winemakers Blend, man. It's I've had that. Mad good. Yeah, it's like, like eleven bucks. It's great. Yeah, I like Apothic. I mean, it's. Um, I've actually contemplated uh, Gary V's Empathy Wine. I had a crate of it of the rosé, which actually I like rosé wine. Like depending, it's usually I like it chill. Oh yeah, whatever happened with that? Because he was going to do like a show, right? They, or, they did it. It was supposed to go, and they ended up uh, doing it all digital. And then I was down in Florida during oh. it, so I didn't tune in. I'm like, I just, I, not, I don't want to watch something online. But um, I dry red wines are my favorite. I, I'm a big guy. Like I go to a nice restaurant, I'm getting steak or fish or something. I try yeah. to pair it with something. Steak's always red. Fish will go white. And in the summer, I like white. Have you ever drink like a crazy like $1,000 bottle or anything no, like that? No. I really want to try it because I've had... Like, like a true... like if I'm it's talking a, like a... Like I've had $75 wine because I was at my parents' house and I was like, oh, Jimbo's not having too much more steak and wine, so we're getting the fucking dope one. Yeah. And I mean, some of the... And I, it was I, amazing. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know enough about wine to do the difference. I've had wines that are like 30 40 bucks, 50 bucks, something like that, but... You got to think too. If you're getting them at a restaurant, they're marked up. They're really, like that fifty dollar bottle of wine is probably like twenty. You know yeah. what I mean? So there's part of it, it's like, are you really getting a? So I think if you go to the liquor store and buy like a hundred dollar bottle of wine, yeah, yeah, you're probably getting the real deal. But bourbons um, and whiskeys, you could definitely tell. See, a difference. I'm not like I had a client give me some Woodford Reserve. I'll take that if you don't want. Which it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm, I want to get into it. Like I'm part of like. If this was later in the day, this is the earliest we've ever done a podcast. Don't worry, I'll definitely have a drink if you want to. No, no, no. I got, I got you. That's what <laughs> yeah, we I wrap this thing up. But we, uh, but uh, usually if we do it like later in the evening, yeah, we we'd have, have a drink, drink or whatever. And I, I would love to sip on whiskey. I don't drink it enough to like have a palate for it, but it's kind of ones like you just kind of fight through it. So you get get Wild Turkey One Hundred and One, super cheap, great whiskey. Um, get a bottle of Woodford Reserve. In a bottle of Knob Creek, Buffalo or Trace, Buffalo Trace. I don't really like bourbons, or I don't like uh, like Tennessee whiskeys. I like 
I like like bourbons. Okay, so last last thing. There, is there a difference between whiskey, bourbon, and Tennessee whiskey? Okay, everybody. Do you know the difference? Uh, yes, I do. Okay, Tennessee whiskey has to has to come from the Kentucky River because of the limestone content. Okay. So those southern rivers. It's all about the limestone content in the water. It's a special kind of water. That's what makes it like a Tennessee whiskey or a bourbon. Then a bourbon, a bourbon is made. It's a glorified Kentucky whiskey, isn't it? No, it's the grain that it's made with when it's heated up. So scotch, scotch, when you heat up the peat, the smoke actually like touches the whiskey and it's in like the same area. Okay. That's a scotch where a, a bourbon or a whiskey, the heat that they use during it does not touch it. So that's why like a scotch is such like a smoky, like hurt your mouth flavor because the smoke is in like the same room. Whereas like a Jameson or a Knob Creek, something like that is it's, I think it's the peat the peat or whatever grains they're making it with the smoke doesn't touch it and then irish whiskey just has to be made in ireland so the reason i say this is i was playing in florida we played golf we got paired up with two guys from kentucky nice guys guy a little bit probably about my age maybe a little bit older and his father-in-law so i like asked him i said i listen i gotta ask you this question because i looked it up like a week prior when i had that come come through i'm like isn't bourbon the same as whiskey and i said this to this guy did he slap you from kentucky he was too nice to slap me, but he literally goes, no, 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 I, bourbon's way, like, he's something about bourbon's way better and all totally different. And I, cause I had read that it's like pretty similar, but it, like the Kentucky bourbon, people from Kentucky, it's the limestone content in the water that it's from. Okay. And, and I don't, I don't know enough about it, but it was so funny. Cause when I said it, he's like, no, 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 bur- bourbon. Cause they're from Eastern from Kentucky and they're like. Because I went to Ireland. I used to have a bottle, but I, no, I actually still have a little left. I'm saving it for my brother-in-law. Only shelf in the world you can get it. It's like it's not like a million-dollar bourbon. They just decided like this, is in this 12-year Jameson, we're not going to sell anywhere besides the distillery. So I had regular Jameson. I had a 12-year. I had like a 30 and a 40-year. And oh, my God. And like they teach you like to, to think of it during it. Like it's like a presentation type thing. Mm-hmm. So they're like telling you what to think like oh notice this notice this notice this so which like, one's the best the older the better is it like i i love jameson i think why well, I, I what's the other one that i drink because it's cheaper ja- telemore do i drink oh, yeah. i get telemore do telemore do is like a little simpler than jameson i say but yeah but the, the money's in the year yeah like the like it's a big big difference like i want to get like a bottle of like a 40 year because it's like it's smooth, like drinking like a rum and coke. Like you don't taste any alcohol. It's just smooth, smooth, smooth. Next time, uh, next time you come on, we'll, we'll we should do a whiskey we'll, tasting. We'll do some whiskey. I don't know much about it, but I'll, I'll save the Woodford. So, right, let's wrap it up there. Anything, Final thoughts? Any any plug you want? So I'm getting ready for the 2021 two peat for the kids charity golf classic. This is the rubber match. Actually, one to one. I know. And so you actually brought the trophy. We're getting a bigger. <laughs> Wait, did you get a picture for the podcast? Was that what you were doing? Yeah, I want to be holding the trophy. You, in you can do that. The uh, no, we'll your shirt on. It. We'll do. We'll do it after. Right. We'll sign off. But uh, yeah, no, we'll, we'll have the one I sent you yesterday. Was pretty dope. That's the one I think I want to. The Ryder Cup one. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I got We I, we got to see. Um, all right, wrap it up there. Episode one twenty five. Galen Trombley show. 
man, the myth, the legend, Matthew Craig. If you're interested in donating for the kids charity podcast, charity golf tournament, it's going to be happening pretty soon. So uh, charity podcast, yeah. uh, September, September, I think 18th, maybe 19th, something like that. I'll be there. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.